Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is Mike, Tom, and Jim, and we are more than one. We are more than two. We are three. Sweet. Me. Bro. On this week's show, we'll discuss the most noteworthy shenanigans of the week in clickbait. And we have a very, very special edition as we not only take a look back at the live AEW Dynamite from Chicago, Illinois, but we also give a full recap and rundown of Survivor Series. So without further ado, get ready for some clickbait. Kind of touch on some stuff that's happening. It just seems like news just keeps happening and happening and where it's been like, what? To like, oh God, no. Like, to like... Oh, shit. So, hey, everybody. Um, doing something a little bit different again this week. Um, instead of focusing on, you know, different aspects of the wrestling world uh, news-wise, um, I watched a very interesting documentary last night with my wife, who is also joining us. Uh, Caitlin, would you like to say hello? Hello. I'm Caitlin, Michael's wife. And we watched the Teddy Hart docuseries, Dangerous Breed, Crime. Cons and cats. And uh, boy, it was fucking crazy. I I don't know. And I, 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 I think immediately when I was done, I said I to the group, please, have you guys seen this? And Jim, I know you have. Um, Tom, I know you haven't. I highly suggest you do. But one, be prepared uh, <laughs> to get ready to take a shower and also hate every bad thing you've ever done in your life when you fit. Because like I woke up this morning and still felt like I just felt gross. Um, and the reason really I wanted to focus on this, um, Caitlin, my wife has, uh, since we've met has been slowly, slowly, uh, digesting the professional wrestling world. Um, and, and, and rightfully so has also even kind of pointed me to some things that I wasn't paying attention to, um, you know, as in the fact of, of, you know, uh, making sure that women are represented on the podcast and we talk about them, um, you know, speaking out about different movements that have affected, uh, women's professional wrestling. Um, and really ultimately that last statement there, that's why I brought her on, um, because Teddy Hart, uh, for those of you who are not aware is, uh, besides crazy, was heavily, heavily involved in the speaking out movement, which was the uh, equivalent to the Me Too movement, um, but for the wrestling world. And Caitlin, um, as a woman, obviously, I, I really wanted to get her insight, especially and someone who's very new to professional wrestling and really didn't get to see the the bra and panties diva era and where she's actually seen women rightfully so um, correctly represented or finally getting to a point to where they're correctly represented. Uh, so I really wanted to bring her on and get her take on it. So uh, without further ado, Caitlin, um, tell us about the Teddy Hart documentary. What did you think? What are your thoughts? Um, you know, just and, and lay it out there. What do you got? Yeah. Well, just a little bit about me and my wrestling fandom. Um, I, am new to the wrestling industry. I really got into it when I started dating Michael and luckily Total Divas was a show on E and that's really what jumped me into the wrestling world and watching the Divas turn in from Divas to the women's um, title, uh, which was really exciting, that progression. Um, so I really was able to grow into the industry through through the women and be able to watch their stories um, through that I had no idea who Teddy Hart was. Obviously, I know the Hart family, but seeing Teddy on screen for the first time, I was blown away <laughs> that he existed, yeah. or exists currently. And, um, you know, facial hair, 
weed paraphernalia all over his house, hundreds of cats. I mean, it was just very bizarre. Um, but obviously he had wrestling moves that looked good. You know, he had the skills. So there was obviously some base there and why he has people around him. Um, the documentary was interesting because it, it tells a story of a, a, a different person who stumbles onto Teddy Hart and starts to make the documentary about him and spends so many hours filming him, out, like doing all these bizarre, wacky things with his wrestling career. And it was it was 10 years. He did this for over 10 years. I can't imagine. Yeah, I can't imagine following that guy for 30 minutes. And yet he did this for (laughs) 10 years, 10 years, folks. Oh, my God. So he stumbles on a Teddy Hart as like following different art industries in Canada. And Teddy was also having a wrestling school out in his home. And um, had a wife with an open relationship, so that and then also was breeding Persian cats. So he was covering the wrestling part, he was covering the school part, he was covering his um, polyamory relationship, and he was covering the cat breeding, thinking that it was going to be the next Jersey Shore, the next hot reality TV show. Oh my god. And, and rightfully so, because, I mean, you look at it and like, Jesus Christ, this dude is is gold for reality television. Like, maybe a little too much, but, like, <laughs> the first episode is very, like, it kind of feels like it's going towards a reality show. And it's like, oh, God, I, this, this can't end well. And then, obviously. So well, he, hold on. Hold so, on. I'm going to jump in real quick. Did you say that the, the guy who did the documentary had no idea who Teddy Hart was? Or just kind of was he, like, hey, this is a guy who's a wrestler. And I just, I'm into it. Yep, exactly. Well, he, so he was doing a beat for a new studio on like different artists in the community. So he stumbled on wrestling, like underground wrestling things that were happening in gymnasiums. Independent wrestling is what it was. He, he like, he saw a bunch of independent wrestling in Canada. Sure. And they were like, oh, like his, the news guys or or his source were like, oh, you got to check this out because it's, it's weird. And the guy was like, well, anything for a story basically to get my, you know, I want to, because I, I I know it's not a focal part of the documentary, but it is kind of an important piece um, is that this guy is really trying to get something off the ground. Like he's a really he's it, okay. it almost like it. I'm sorry, we can edit this out, but like it almost kind of like he swerves you. And I don't know if you're going to get into that to where it's like it's Jim. You know, I told you earlier, um, it's it's like. He wants to make a documentary on Teddy Hart, but he also wants to do something to make himself famous. And it's a it's a weird dichotomy of the two. Yeah, oh, so, so it's like the, the Banksy documentary. Somewhat. Yeah. Well, the thing to, the thing to keep in mind, too, is the timing of when this started is that was at the, the boot. This is one of the things I rail about in my classes all the time. This was the beginning, not the beginning, but this was deep in the heart of that documentary movement of autobiographical documentary right like sure. you know, michael moore and morgan spurlock and and that ilk they're always in the documentary right the documentary is just as much about them as it is about the subject i really do get the sense mike that that what you're talking about is is exactly that is that that guy was he wanted to be the next morgan spurlock he wanted to be a part of the story just as much as teddy hart well, and not, and again, not to, not to speak for Caitlin, cause I, I wanted to get into it, but even she, she called that out and was like, wait, is this about Teddy Harder? Or is it about this guy? And it's really interesting. And I actually jumping ahead. I, I, he kind of redeemed himself a little bit towards the end when he kind of finally realized what he had and when things kind of broke, but I'm, 
I don't want to spoil anything. So Caitlin, please yeah. you know, so, continue. So this documentary filmmaker stumbles onto Teddy Hart and his crazy lifestyle. He starts to exploit his lifestyle by videotaping it all and seeing his relationships, wrestling, all this stuff. And as you're watching the first phase of this documentary where he's just kind of uncovering Teddy, he's recording these women together kind of doing sexually explicit things. He's recording this guy who's paying $2,000 a month at his wrestling school, doing the dishes and like cleaning cat litter. And so there's like these things that are happening that are like, this doesn't seem normal or right. And then Teddy Hart is explaining how he breeds these Persian cats. He also is a professional cat juggler and that it's completely safe for the cats that he can just like juggle them that part really disturbed my daughter by the way my eight-year-old daughter loves cats and when he started juggling the cat she was like you can't do that you cannot do she got pissed it was funny i was even pretty sure i was like i'm i don't think cats can do that (laughs) yeah and so like and part of the cat some of the cats that they were showing like were missing eyeballs like obviously inbred like just weird weird kind of stuff So it ultimately doesn't get picked up by a documentary company. Like there's no reality TV show that's going to be working out because of like the concern of animal cruelty, all of these things. Not to mention Teddy Hart is higher than any human being I think I've ever seen throughout 85% of the documentary. Like another level high. Yeah. And he doesn't ever drop his wrestling persona. So he's like. Teddy Hart is wrestling. Wrestling is Teddy Hart. Like there is no separation of that character. Oh and that's what he wanted. He wanted to have, is it kayfabe? And so that, but he never could get that. So that he's running into these, these things. He has this great idea for a story for this reality TV show, but he can never really get the right amount of content. So he just ends up filming for so, so long. Fast forward a few years there's these two women that he he ultimately is recording in the beginning. They come out with charges against Teddy Hart um, of rape, uh, se- including sexual assault, assault, and then um, imprisonment, imprisonment, where they're forced to stay. They can't leave. And so he in Canada, that's happening when he those charges drop. Teddy leaves the country, goes to Texas um, and meets up with this other woman who's also paying him to be a wrestling instructor, but they're also dating and living together. Um, and it's this whole journey where through the whole documentary, you see that Teddy is obviously manipulating these women. He's taking advantage of not only the women, but other people who are looking for the fame and the connection of the Hart family and making like the most of those opportunities uh, to give himself financial gain, power, whatever it is, but there it's, it's apparent that's happening. And so through the show, you're seeing like the documentary maker of like kind of realizing how shady he is. And then he goes on that redemption story that Michael mentions. But part of what I wanted to speak about is this, seeing the women's journey and, and me being introduced to the wrestling world through the women's story, um, is really interesting to me because I didn't really know the speaking out movement is something that happened. I'm glad that it did. Obviously there's a lot of work that still needs to get done because even with the speaking out movement that happened, I, I would have to Google maybe like 2015. Was that? It was, 
yeah, right before that. the pandemic, I think. Yeah, it was like, like right 20, around there. 2019, yeah. 2019. So even if it happened in 2019, the Vince McMahon situation, those all came out recently. So like there's so much that's ingrained into this wrestling industry that is not set up for success for the women that they have a little bit of an extra hurdle to jump. They have those people that are still being broadcast as heels or baby faces. Like they're winning matches. They're getting belts, Sammy Guevara, Matt Riddle. Like it's so deeply ingrained that this is just such, and I'm not saying that they, that those two people specifically committed crimes, but they have had statements that were inappropriate and were not supportive of women and not in equity and all of those things. So like, those are just two people that I came up as examples. Um, so I was really interesting to see this story and how Teddy Hart had actual charges, was able to still beat it, get beaten trial. Like he, he well, won was, the trial. He, he was able to flee. He fled the country, had a passport, you know, it, 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 yeah, I'm not sure I did. Again, I don't want to interrupt Caitlin, but like he literally was able to move about freely with all these accusations and past criminal history. It's it, it is mind boggling that he was able to move around this much. Um, and you know, I, I, I kind of have maybe I'll save it for the end. But, you know, obviously I want to hear your thoughts more, Caitlin. But it, it, there's just there is a series that I implore if anybody listening to this podcast, if you do not think that assault is real and men hold power over women. There is a segment of this docu-series that I really kind of do want to talk about because I think it is, it's, it broke my heart to see this poor woman going through it. And you can see she's terrified. She doesn't know how to get out of the situation. And like, if you need any other proof to have to like, if you, if you're like, well, I don't know. And and maybe it was just this and maybe it was a Monday and he wasn't feeling bad. Like, no, this is a purely documented case of a man controlling and forcing a woman to do his bidding. And you can see how terrified this woman really is and how if she were to say anything to this guy, it would probably result in a beating. And like, if you don't think that that's a real thing to where people struggle with confronting and sticking up for themselves, it is right here on camera. And anyway, sorry, I'm getting a little more into it, but please, I, I please finish. Sorry. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, Teddy Hart's story gets connected to Sam Samantha, Fiddler. Sam Fiddler, who goes missing, currently is missing, assumed dead at this point. And, um, you know, there's a lot of obstacles that come up with finding or like getting a missing persons case open. And it goes into like, what was he doing? What was the involvement? Um, ultimately it's not believed that he is the murderer by any means, but he definitely set up a situation that was unsafe for Sam to survive in Florida without a passport and was manipulated into these situations. And so, and that was like the, the catalyst point there were multiple other women that were impacted on his journey to Sam. And so seeing the serial aspect of that was really disheartening. And the fact that he was able to evade all these charges now, like wrestling companies aren't promoting Teddy Hart, you know, like that's a fact. He also can't seem to stay out of jail. So like, he's not (laughs) the one that got away. Like he's got consequences. There are things that are happening, but 
ultimately, I think it just brings up a, the root point for me is that there's more work to be done with women in this industry because wrestling isn't an entertaining thing to watch. I am a fan. I can't go on for three hours talking about it, but I definitely <laughs> enjoy it. And I think that there's just a lot more the industry can do to make sure women are protected. They don't, they can come up safely through the training programs, through the coaching programs and have a healthy relationship with wrestling. I am so worried about more people coming out about stories about Vince McMahon and all of those people in WWE. Cause I feel like there's something that's underlying there and we just don't know it all yet. And I just hope that we're continuing to go down a, a better path. That was basically my thought on that. Well, no, I, I think you're spot on, Caitlin. I, I think the the next 20 years, as we see the generational gap move, um, there's going to be little dottings along the way for the next, you know, again, 20 years of stories coming out about that generation and, and you know, the, the transitional generation with more and more stories. Because it's it's only been really the last few years that people have have. Uh, felt like they need to keep each other accountable in that kind of an environment and and curb that behavior. Uh, so you're you again. I 100% agree. I, I I think it's there's a long way to go, and we're going to be hearing those stories for a while um, because it, it it was so pervasive. I mean, for fuck's sake. I mean, even the 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 fabulous Mula right was was basically a pimp right she pimped out all of her students that was just a, a thing that was known in the industry for forever uh and it's it, it i don't know it, it's one of those things where I, I find myself frequently saying how in the hell did people ever think this was okay um because <laughs> you you look at it in 2022 and you're like what the fuck like how would you possibly you know it's kind of like watching like roddy piper versus you know uh bad news brown wrestlemania it's like roddy piper paints half his oh. body black and you're like who the fuck let that happen <laughs> yeah. yes i get it was a different time i get there's different but it's it's gonna be uncomfortable for a while um i think as for the documentary itself because i like you said mike i did watch it um i i, I was telling mike and caitlin before we started uh it's one of the only times in my entire marriage my wife has been like no let's please watch more of this wrestling content uh because she usually has nothing to do with it but uh she was fascinated by the true crime aspect of it uh i i i thought it was incredibly well done i thought it was fascinating uh i will say that um, I felt a lot like watching Making a Murderer, um, you know, the the esteemed show on Netflix. Uh, it felt very similar like that for me because I found myself the whole time going, did he? I don't know. Did he? You know, it was uh, there was a lot of, of keeping you guessing. Um, I, I will say in the, the final analysis for me, uh, as far as the show itself was, uh, I think that without a doubt, Teddy Hart is a brilliant wrestler. As you alluded to, Caitlin, you mentioned he could do things that most people can't do. I think without a doubt, he is a narcissistic sociopath who has serious mental problems. Uh, you know, as the, his mother uh, points out in the documentary, he's brilliant. He has an incredibly high IQ, uh, but that doesn't also mean he doesn't have serious mental health issues. Uh, did he murder that girl? I don't know. Uh, and I'm not saying I don't know because I don't want to get sued. I'm saying I don't know because I'm really not sold either way. Like I, I really could could see uh, I could see him either being involved and that's why he's cagey. But I can also see him being very cagey just because he thinks it's, you know, clever. 
because uh, again, he's a narcissistic sociopath, and they do shit like that. The, the, I haven't watched it, uh, and from what it, the sounds of it, I mean, I don't know if I want to watch it, but I probably will. But like, Teddy Hart was just one of those guys back in the day where you heard every like so much about. He was like hot shit on the indies for a minute, and of course, he's Brett's nephew, um, and which is like that that whole. I mean. We could probably sit here and talk for hours about the whole entire Hart family. Now, which who whose kid is like who's who's the parent? Who's Teddy's parent? That's so yeah. So Jim, if if you don't mind, that is it's Georgia. Um, that's Brett's sister. Uh, so hence his that's why his yeah he has direct relation to the Hart family. His full his full name is Edward Annis A N N I S I think Annis. I I don't know. It's Canadian. Um. But um, so he took his dad's name uh, instead of the Hart, but he is directly related to the Hart family. Yeah, wow. so is, is one of his sisters. Yeah. He, he, you know, my I mean, first the, question the, was, how is he related to Natalia? That was what I asked Michael. I'm like, <laughs> I need to understand, are they cousins? Like <laughs> The whole Hart family, I mean, that's weird. Like, I mean, because he's not Hart Hold on a second. Here. And he goes to like a whiteboard and he's just drawing. <laughs> it it's like, you probably could with that whole family, but like honestly, even. You really like, could. Well, like Jim the Anvil Nyhart really isn't truly a heart. He's it it like he married in. He married. He in. married yeah, in. He married so in. it's like it's all but it's it the same thing with like Davy Boy and like that whole it's insane. Like there's a lot of like the Hart family is huge itself, but it's like they kept growing. Like it's in, there's a ton of people that married the in. Cats thing and that's usually it, how like, families work. Yeah, Mike. Thanks. <laughs> Not all of us are from Arkansas, so for, for the rest of the world, that's typically how that works out. The, the the cats thing isn't really all that surprising, unfortunately, because like if you've if you've read Brett's book, he talks in great length about how like they had bears at one point living at, at the house, like all these animals and stuff. So it's like I just think the hearts in general are just like like undiagnosed hoarders. Um, and so, I mean, it, the, the whole Me Too and Speaking Out movement, that, un- unfortunately, I, I wish I could say I was shocked to hear it. it. Honestly, when I was talking about it with a couple of my friends, when it was going on, I was like, wow, I can't believe it took this long, um, which is a shitty thing to say, which is which is terrible. I, and and yeah, Caitlin, I, I wish the McMahon stuff is done, but I think there's like there's like several wrestlers that have said, and I don't know if they've gone on record or have been quoted, but I know it's like, there's, there's things out there about McMahon, like going from town to town and just being and like him and Hogan, like the, him and the Hogan years are horrifying. And it's like it, that I'm as, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, and, which is, which is, which is, which sucks. Cause like McMahon's a billionaire and money buries a lot of secrets, which, which sucks. And, and the, the truth of those stories may never get told because of just how, how, I mean, look at what he did just recently. He literally tried to buy silence for people and they were like, nah, no, we're not going to do this anymore. And and I, I I wish, and I I can only hope that the culture will change. Unfortunately, like you said, uh, Matt Riddle, it it was, has been roped into that. Marty Skrull, David's um, yeah. David, what's his name? David star. David. I talk about him all the time. Uh, not like I love the guy. Your new uh, United <laughs> States champion, uh, Austin Theory. Yeah, has Austin been Theory. Dude, even even Seth Rollins has been roped into some like questionable stuff, and it, it just sucks. It, it's just uh, you know, I I just hope that the wrestling world will continue to push 
you know, to protect women, you know, it's just, man, I just, I, it just breaks your heart hearing like all of, all of that. And, and, and Teddy Hart too, Teddy, Teddy Hart's a maniac. Like the dude is out of his mind. I like the the things I've read. He did like a sit down interview once with like Sports Illustrated, and like I think the guy was just like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" Like this, you're insane. I don't think it was Sports Illustrated. It was uh, Rolling Stone, and they actually talked yeah. about it in the documentary because that's how. So a lot of the stuff that comes out about this towards the end, towards this this female Sam Fiddler, was because. Um, a Rolling Stone journalist did an article, but he was friends or roommates or something with the documentary filmmaker and they got connected. And this is like how they were both, I don't want to say responsible, but kind of partially responsible for really not kickstarting the, the speaking out movement, but really having a big, a, a, they're, they're a big part of it because the girl that was um, Machka, Machko, I think is her name, um, who from all, she looks great. I want to find some of her matches and like, I, she looks kind of cool. I like her name and it's, it's a Japanese name. And so she's got some, she, you can tell she's a genuine fan. Um, and which just makes it again, even harder because you can tell she was truly in it to meet the Hart family and to get trained by the Hart. And it's just disgusting. It, 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 it no fault to her at all that I'm sure whatever Teddy Hart told her, it's, it's just disgusting. And, you know, you could tell her heart was really in wanting to be a wrestler and, Oh my God, I get to train with a Hart family. Like, in the dungeon, Bret Hart, like, hell yeah, you know? And so you're, of course, but like, yeah, it's, but I, again, I'm not sure if they were responsible for the speaking out move, but she was one of the first ones to be like, oh wait, Teddy Hart. I know. Cause like the, the, the documentary spans a decade and they actually come back to some of the people that they talked about, Tom. Um, like, like they talk about one of the girls that he, uh, first initially sued him and went after him and stuff and how she basically, he like ruined her life. And it's just, it's atrocious what this guy did. And it's like I said, not it, where I was trying to get at was it, I, I, I really want you to watch this because not, I, I know your heart's good and in the right place, but like, I really implore a lot of our male listeners to watch this and truly you can, it, I felt for that girl watching her like Teddy Hart openly says that he will hit her strangle her and like knock her the fuck out. If the cameras weren't on, he openly admits assault. And it's like, you can see this poor girl is sitting like terrified waiting for this maniac to cut loose. And it's like that again, I've always, I've never been like, well, maybe Teddy Hart had a bad day, you know, but I mean, this really drove it home for me. And it was just like, I, Man, it's just, I'm really glad I watched it. it. It's it's a hard thing to to get through, but I really really implore our male listeners to 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 really give it a go. Yeah, the other thing I'll say when you're watching it and anyone that's listening like don't victim blame. It's hard to leave abusive relationships no matter who it is. So it's not as easy as just walking away. It's never that easy, and so just make sure you have a a soft empathy spot for those women when, when you're watching it's, it's not their fault. It's that aggressor. And uh, yeah, Teddy Hart's a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. And if you want any more reason why it's harder here, his dad basically victim blames every one of the women and is like, man, my son's a good guy. He just, Oh, oh yeah. Openly yeah. flat out. Tom, like basically is like, nah, he couldn't have done that. St-. I mean, flat out denies everything. And it's just like, you wonder why that this keeps being a problem. Like, Look at who he's just raised by, the douchebag. I, I was just say the the enabling that his family does is it it really is the, the documentary could be used in in 
clinical psychology classrooms of of because it is it's a perfect dying it's a perfect case study of not just what a narcissistic sociopath does but what puts them in that position what are the tools that they use what are their structures that they rely upon because you're absolutely right his mother and father both are like well that's just not teddy teddy's not like meanwhile we are sitting here literally minutes removed from watching the footage of Teddy Hart saying, I'll choke you the fuck out. I don't care who if the, if the cameras are on to this woman. Right. So it really it, it's just it's it's horrifying. But I agree with you, Mike. I, I think Tom and I think I think everybody should watch this for the same reason you watch a movie like Schindler's List. Right. For the same reason you 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 watch a movie like Hotel Rwanda. Because it's supposed to make you uncomfortable so that you can understand and empathize so that you can appreciate the depth of this and, and, and be uncomfortable. You should be uncomfortable. It's probably a good thing that you're uncomfortable. Otherwise, what kind of a fucking person wouldn't be uncomfortable watching this? Uh, but it's important. It is. It's very important for people to watch this kind of stuff to to see not only that it's real, but to understand that that level uh of of pain it can cause people god damn i didn't oh god i didn't realize any of that about teddy hart it's hard it's it's a tough one i i told i don't know if you heard this tom but like i wanted to turn it off after the first episode just because i know how fucking crazy teddy hart is i was like i don't want to see where this goes like i'm already uncomfortable like and it, i'm glad i did to your point jim really. i didn't know and, about maybe the, the the abusive stuff i knew he's like mentally ill like i, I knew a lot of wrestlers are like Oh, Teddy Hart's just not in his right mind. And like, I know, and he's also just like a, a terrible person. Cause like, I think CM Punk, somebody already Kingston was like, like that motherfucker owes me a lot of money. Like, hey, well, it was punk, punk and punk and him had a, it had a, had a, a fight, um, a, a TNA impact, I think. And it was basically one of the reasons I either why punk left or why Teddy Hart left, because one of them, I think it was, I, I gotta go with punk on this one. Cause he's the sanest. Um, but I'm pretty sure punk was like, if he's here, well, no, but I mean, just not comparatively, I'm comparatively. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like he, I, I, from what I understand, I think punk was like, it's either him or me. And I think ultimately he took off and he was like, I'm this fucking guy that Sabu had to break him up at a parking lot. They're at like a Denny's or something. That was a, that was a long time ago, but punk hated him from what I understand. And was like, it's either me or him. Cause he, he already knew he was that big of a piece of shit, but I didn't know he was 18. Did you know that he, when he was signed with the WWE, he's fucking 18. He was 18, 18 years old. He was the youngest person to ever get signed uh, by WWF. And also the youngest person to get fired. Yep. <laughs> 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 fucking idiot. And I'm, I'm telling you guys, too. Like, Ed, well, I didn't, sorry, Jim, I I didn't you. even know he, he got picked up by WWE. Yeah, oh God, are like you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. He, the he guy had, on, literally, he started training other people when he was 16. Wow. Yeah. He was, he was, Teddy Hart was always like, everything I've always known about Teddy Hart is that he was the, the, the guy that, not the one that got away, but the, like the, the, what, what if the woulda, coulda, you know what I mean? Because like that guy literally was a walking protege. And like a lot of people have said, if he, would have honed, you know, obviously, you know, he, he did his indie stuff to get his name because that's where I found him when he's doing his fucking moonsaults off of like basketball hoops and shit and 
all this and that. So he gets his name, but he, the guy could wrestle. He really could. Like if you watch some of his TNA tapes, like when he was doing that, he's not bad. He's, he's actually pretty fucking good. And like a lot of people said, if he, they they don't know if it was because a lot of people have pinpointed and Jim, I don't know if you've heard this, but the whole ring of honor incident, they've kind of, that's when he like really started going downhill. And a lot of people think it was because it's just, he, he never appropriately got his concussions. like checked out from that or something or he never got appropriately checked out from when he fucking spazzed out at that ring of honor event and everybody said it's it it was literally downhill from there yeah and well it's kind of like we were talking about with new jack right like you can see that the worst parts of him happened after a major head injury yeah i think there's there's validity to that i think that that yeah concussions aren't real though when you guys fucking stupid (laughs) (laughs) stupid that is the dumbest thing. Dude, I've had two concussions and that I would I would rather get pepper sprayed and tased than to ever have a concussion again. That shit is horrifying. It's not fun. It is not fun. Well, we have a very special presentation for you this week. Uh, our very own Mike actually attended the live taping uh and well live airing i should say of aew dynamite from the Wintrust arena in chicago illinois uh this past wednesday now obviously big show uh there was a lot going on uh you know this is the the coming off of the full gear uh pay-per-view so it was it was a big show lots of good stuff happened but you know mike you had the inside track you saw stuff that we didn't get to see you heard things that we didn't get to hear what what was the atmosphere like now chicago crowds are always fucking great we've talked about that but what was the atmosphere like at, at, at dynamite you know, it was, it was, it was first and foremost, I have to say, um, if you haven't been to a, a live wrestling show, shame on you, um, go it's it, whether you like it or not, it's just fun. As, uh, my wife said, it's, it's a ton of fun. Um, no, the atmosphere going in, uh, was really interesting, uh, just because you could kind of tell around in the arena, there's a bit of a buzz, um, just because of, of, uh, what happened it, you know, after full gear, what the elite did, which we'll get into, but like, this crowd was hot. Like, and and to Jim's credit, Chicago, Chicago crowds are amazing. I, I, you know, I, I've only been really in Chicago crowds. I've never seen a wrestling event elsewhere. I kind of don't want to. Um, I mean, maybe I, New York, I know is a good wrestling town. Um, Philly. Uh, I think Pittsburgh is yeah, Philly, Pittsburgh. Philly, Philly's um, insane. Also, right. Another one of those. I put them on the level of Chicago kind of crowds. You know, they get it. Um, and this and that. So, but nothing, but it, it was just, but it was good. So walking in, I'm like, Oh, Oh man, we're great. Um, this is going to be good. We're, we're in for a good treat. Um, but no, the, the atmosphere was good. And I think coming into the holiday, obviously Thanksgiving was the next day. So like everybody was just in a good mood and I just, I love wrestling. I love wrestling fans. Like people are signs are everywhere. Uh, you know, this is the only place where I think you'll see like wow, I just saw the, like a 30th Matt Hardy shirt and I, I don't, I don't get it. I still don't get it. And I had, um, uh, Caitlin kind of alluded to it earlier. Uh, we had a couple sitting next to us, no shame, got up and we're, we're doing the hand dance things. And I'm like, God, I love, I love this. I'm in my element. Like where people unabashedly, like it just, I know we shit on a lot of people, but it just makes, it just warms my heart that there's individuals out there that truly love these people like the Matt Hardys and the, Jake Hager's and all these other, you know, um, I like Jake Hager actually. So that was another example. There are people who are cheering Jake Hager, really, honestly. Yeah. So no, the the crowd coming in, everybody's hot. Um, you know, we're coming off a of full gear. 
Um, and the graphic comes up that William Regal's coming out. Holy shit. Set the precedence for the night. They start booing him mercifully. I am clapping and laughing. I, I just, I'm like, I love Chicago crowds because I know that there's other marks out there like me that are like, oh, it's William Regal. And he's doing vintage heel work and like cheering and booing. But like you get so caught up in the crowd. And that's what I, I don't know if it's necessarily a Chicago crowd or just a wrestling crowd, but man, I got caught up in just, I'm not the biggest Mox fan. So, but like Mox comes out. So Regal starts talking and he cuts, he says one of the most beautiful lines And even Caitlin and I were just laughing and cheering for it. But like he was like when he's talking about MJF and he's like, I think he even said, you want to see MJF? And he's like, you'll see him next week. And I am just like, oh, my God, classic, great heel move. Like, no, I'll make you wait. Like, great. So then, of course, crowd is just booing him out of the building. Mox comes out. Huge ovation for Mox, which I thought was really interesting, seeing as at, at full gear, he was getting kind of booed. But then again, it could have been a whole I mean, we're getting kind of crazy into the psychology of wrestling to where now we're going back to like, was it a, was it a, 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 a play all along to, uh, uh, to get to that press conference where MJF is like, you dumb motherfuckers. Like, you know what I mean? Like I am just like, my mind is like just going overdrive right now because I'm just like, what is going on? Like, why are they cheering for Mox? Mox gets in, does his Mox thing where he's basically just waiting to rip his head off. Danielson comes out, Danielson comes out and I was, this kind of caught me off guard and was expecting maybe a, especially when he hit him. So Danielson comes out and he's like, oh my God, we all know Regal and Danielson have this like simpatico relationship. It's, you know, it's like you can't have one without the other almost at this point. And he cuts a cool, interesting little promo where he's like, you know, no, everything, you know, your dad went through, you know, Regal helped me with this and that and this. And then he slaps Moxley and he's like, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do this. And he gets down on like one knee And it's like, what is he doing? And I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to like boot him in the nuts. And he doesn't. So maybe this is something that's coming. But I'm like, that really threw me for a loop. And I I I don't think it was needed, to be honest. I think Mox. So Mox ends the promo basically where, you know, he he just got hit by Danielson. Danielson's going to be like, no, let we regal walk. And Mox goes. You just got, you, you better run and stay gone. And it that would have worked perfectly, essentially. Mox just going, you better run and you better not stop running. I, I'm in, man. Cool. Mox gunning for Regal. I, I highly doubt we're going to get a Regal in the ring, but like there's still some, a lot, there's good magic there. Like those guys and now MJF, I think could really do. So it's, I, I don't know where they're going with it, but I meant to bring this up and wanted to get your guys' thoughts. I didn't know if you saw that and were kind of just as puzzled as I was with that. I just, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just another a cog in this big giant story that they're trying to do, but it just didn't seem in, it just didn't, it seemed out of place for me. Yeah. The, the Danielson part of it was awkward as fuck. Uh, and, and, and watching from home, I, I could see the audience kind of turning as well after a while of like, what's fucking good. What's going on. I think he pulled it out in the end. I think he recovered, but there was definitely a part in that, that promo where I'm like, what the, what? Why are we doing this? And yeah, it was it was awkward when he slapped Mox. It kind of came out of nowhere. I honestly, here's what it felt like to me. To me, it felt like there was stuff they were supposed to do. Danielson forgot to do it, and that's why it seemed so disjointed. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like there was I, I feel like there was improving going on with a guy who's not great at improv. That's what it felt like to me. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed that. I think that's a great way to start the show. I mean, you want to talk about getting everybody worked up, getting everybody fired up right out of the gate. But yeah, I did. I, I thought the Danielson part was awkward. 
Yeah, it, it really kind of put it. It was like starting to sizzle. And then it, unfortunately, that kind of burned out. But then it, it just caught fire again right when it ended. It was it, like I said, it was a real it started to sizzle. Then it fizzled. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, it kind of did. Like it was like people were booing. I mean, William Regal couldn't get a word out. Like, I don't know if they cut out, but there were a lot of fuck you Regal chants. And oh, like. Yeah. The whole audience. I mean, and he just stood there and he's just doing his British, British, his smirk that he does. And it's, it's, it, I'm like, British oh my. Smirk. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Thank Yeah. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, but. The, the, the one thing with Danielson, real quick, Mike, is I think AEW, I love, we all love Brian Danielson, but they have like a weird Danielson problem. They just don't know what to do with the guy. And it reminds me a lot of like when Carl Malone joined the Lakers. And it was just like, you have this insanely good basketball player and you're just like, oh, he's he's not he's not doing anything. That is probably the first time in the history of the Internet that anyone has compared Brian Danielson to fucking Carl Malone. The postman so, Carl Malone. <laughs> but like, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, and, and, and like Tony Khan is the guy who was like, it was just like, a, I got to have him. Yoink, got him. And like next week, I mean, I, I'm in for it. But why are we why are we going to see him versus uh, uh, Dax? Like, I I don't understand that. Like, I feel like Danielson needs to be a bigger part of the company. And I understand he's also he's been outspoken in several interviews recently that he's kind of like winding down and he doesn't really want to wrestle full time. And I get it putting over talent. But like that, I I totally agree with you guys like that. That segment was like, oh, cool. What's Danielson going to do? He's oh he just slapped him and now he's like begging for forgiveness like what? Yeah. <laughs> what is happening to this like rough and tough Blackpool Combat Club I'm just like what is this and I know yeah. I, I don't know if I texted you guys earlier but like there's rumors now of, of Regal possibly going back to WWE and a lot of people were saying that like that was the last you're gonna see of Regal and I was like I don't think so no that just speculation and. Uh, we'll get into it. We'll get into that more with our war games coverage. But like, I, I'm, I mean, I'm hooked. I'm definitely interested to see where they're going. And I think it was an incredibly great way to, to fire up your, your already angry crowd. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just curious to see what they're doing with Danielson. I mean, they, they got to figure him out. They got to have a place for him. So the first match, Orange Cassidy, Jake Hager, gentlemen, I cannot tell you that pop that man orange Cassidy gets when that fucking music hits it on TV, it pops loud. And in, I've never heard anything like it. It's let me take that back actually, because it's, it's not a pop, like a road warrior pop, you know, where it's just this, but it is a sustained pop for this guy. Like the minute those cues hit from Jane, from Jefferson airplane, it it's through the roof. And I'm like, what the hell? And Jake Hager comes out. The man is clearly having fun with this purple hat gimmick thing. It's kind of grown on me. I like it. We were the Chicago crowd chanting about the hat. We got like a, a too sweet hat, you know, too, or, uh, or no, um, what did I, holy hat is what I started. <laughs> I started a holy hat chant uh, and the crowd picked up on it. Um, there were just different things about the hat and it was just, you could tell Hager was eating it up. And one of the many reasons why I love pro wrestling, like he could clearly tell, I probably feel like an idiot in this. I'm a giant, massive man who can legit beat people up for a living because uh, he's an MMA fighter. Um, but he's wearing this purple hat and he's loving it. It wasn't a great match. Um, 
you know, we, I was reading some reviews later and I heard that like a lot of the best parts actually took place during the break, which is what I got to see a lot of. Um, I, it's great. I just, I can't say enough about Orange Cassidy. Great way to open the show. You get the crowd. They're kind of having fun. Um, and then I presumably this had to be the moment when I lost my voice. <laughs> I was waiting for something to happen. Um, the lights are like flickering and I was like, okay, they did that before when a certain someone showed up, but me not even thinking about this certain someone, uh, crowd's going crazy for Dan Housen. And I'm like, great. We're going to get evil Dan Housen. This is going to be great. I we're my wife and I are, are, we're just above when you, when you see hard camera where they're, they're showing the majority of the crowd. We were probably just above that. So you probably couldn't see us, but we could, we had a great view, could see the stage, see the ring. Lights go out. I see somebody walk out. I'm like, oh, it's Danhausen. And then I'm like, wait a minute. That's not Danhausen. That's, oh my God, it's Julia Hart. I immediately go, they're here, they're here, they're here. I start looking <laughs> around and I turn and the lights pop up. And ladies and gentlemen, the House of Black is back. The place <laughs> goes wild. Like, I, was I am losing wild. my mind. Huge fan of the House of Black. I love, love Malachi Black. I love Brody Lee. I'm growing on um, Buddy Matthews. Brody I, I, he's gr- <laughs> What did I say? You said Brody Lee. Oh, did I say? Oh, shoot. Oh, RIP. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Brody King, Malachi Black, and Buddy Matthews. Um, I love both those guys. Buddy Matthews is growing on me, but it's it's working. I and they just beat everybody up, and it's great. And and or it's great. And when he does the, you know, members of the House of Black, please rise. Place goes crazy, and it was just, what a surprise. Like was not expecting that at all. Great swerve. I, again, you know, what a wow. This is the first match and the House of Blast comes back. So it's like, how can this get any better? Uh, so um, everything's having a good time, uh, you know, kind of calming down a little bit. Uh, now we get into what um, it was actually my favorite match of the night. Um, granted, I'm a little bit biased because I, I love both of them, but I love Ethan Page. We have Ricky Starks versus Ethan Page. Um me and this is again one of the things I love about professional wrestling. Me and the, the gentleman next to us are talking, both agreed. If I again love Ethan Page, maybe not be as not maybe his time quite yet, but man, I told them, give me Ricky Starks versus MJF all day long. Like you have got this shit horrible heel and this white hot, I can believe baby face. Please, I will take that all day long. And I said, I told the guy next to him, I said, if they don't do Ricky Starks versus MJF for the title, they're stupid. And I'm so happy they made the right decision and went with Ricky Starks. Great match. Ethan Page looks great. I wasn't overly thrilled. I saw his um, not that this matters. And 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 I don't know, maybe this is the fun part about wrestling where we blur the lines. But his Instagram, he was like, oh, I'm really sad. I didn't make it. I'm really sorry. You know, next time I'll give it the college try. And I'm like, man, you were just screaming at everybody about how much you hate them and how pathetic they are. So it's it's interesting that he did that. I'm, I'm kind of so I'm like, what the hell? Like kind of threw me for a little bit. But like because he was prime asshole heel in this like just making fun of the crowd just making fun of ricky it was great ethan he was great but i'm really really happy uh ricky starks uh 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 one guy i don't know guys what do you what do you think no i i agree i i thought it was a great match i thought they're do they did a really good job with the whole tournament building the uh, ricky starks injury and the whole you know like you know oh the, the the you know the little engine that could you know kind of a thing that that you see see them do in pro wrestling sometimes um i agree i cannot wait for ricky starks mjf that's gonna be fucking amazing uh i mean honestly ethan page mjf would also be amazing but i i think your analysis is right maybe it's just not yet 
right? Maybe let Ethan do a little bit more. I, you know, I, I said this several weeks back. I mean, I think when we first started the podcast, I, I really like that uh, when the firm came out and did their like first promo in the ring, Ethan Page specifically called out the All Atlantic Championship, and that's what he wanted. And I think give me Ethan Page versus Orge Cassidy. I would f- I would watch a best of seven of that any day of the week and twice on Sunday. So I, I think Ricky Starks MJF is going to be fantastic. I think you know you you let you let Ethan Page feud it out with Orange Cassidy, firm versus best friends. Fuck yeah. I yeah, I, great match, loads of potential from here. No, yeah, absolutely. I think one of the I think I was I, I don't know if it was in our group text or if I was texting Mike, but like I think one of the best things about uh Ricky Starks and MJF is not only that they're two uh, kind of your homegrown AEW wrestlers. Like this is the beginning to me of that like I, I hate to compare a, w, a WWE product, but this is like the beginning of a Triple H Rock feud or The Rock versus Stone Cold. I mean, this is years in in like we could AEW if they're smart, they could take this as long as they can because both Ricky Star. I mean, it could be back and forth. I mean, title after title. I, I would totally be into that. I, I can't. I've I've talked about how much I love Ricky Starks, and of course, we all love MJF, but. This is to me like, and I'm and I'm sure we'll, we'll get to it at the end of the wrap up. But like to me, this show was incredibly crucial for not only like to come off of your pay per view, but to like to establish your your like new future wrestlers. And I think they did a, a remarkable job doing that. It was incredibly smart to do that with Ethan Page, Ricky Starks, and now Ricky Starks and MJF. I think it was such a great move. So obviously, Jim, I'm right there with you um, all day, all week, twice on Sunday uh, with Ricky Starks and Ethan Page. Um, what I'll tell you I'm 100% not for um, was the next match. Um, actually, I take that back. I'm sorry. I was ready for it because I and my fellow Chicagoans were ready to boo these pieces of shit out of the fucking building. And I'd like to say uh, I think we did. Um it uh so i'm um, i'm clearly if if you listen to this podcast um and or you know have your head up your ass uh <laughs> you you're very aware that i'm not the biggest fan of the elite right now um and our next match was uh death triangle versus the elite this was the second match um of the the best of 7 um and like i said already going into this arena it was hot they showed those guys and they were i mean the crowd un loaded so um and i think i sent you a clip and um jim i was thinking it'd be kind of fun maybe to like if we if we can if you can grab like five seconds of fuck the elite like oh yeah. that was resounding throughout this entire match i found myself and again to go back why i love professional wrestling so much i like i i feel like i had an outer body experience where i was just solely focused on booing the elite and just <laughs> calling them names and i'm like Oh my God, this is, and, and, and I might be jumping ahead here, but like, this is what wrestling is. And this is what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to elicit a response and they delivered and the match was great. You know, I I mean, the young bucks were classic young bucks. I mean, they were doing everything they could do and elicit a reaction from this crowd. Um, Kenny Omega did the GTS, which I thought was going to get him killed. Like that crowd came unglued. Um, when Matt and Nick Jackson did the, like, Oh, I can't do the buckshot lariat. And they fell on his ass booed out of the building. 
Um, but they were climbing on the guardrails, like doing the suckets like that they do. Kenny Omega feigned biting a guy. Like, so I'm watching this. And again, of course, you know, oh my God, it, I am like filled with rage, but yet also like, oh my God, this is professional wrestling. But it, 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 the, the, the thing that I struggle with this is, is going back to a comment that Jim made is, are you EVPs? Or are you wrestlers? And it's like this to me, I, I, we were expecting it. So I'm sure that, yes, there was some like, okay, guys go out and do your thing. But at the same time, I'm like, this was his problem all along. Like you're just, it, it, I, and maybe that's what it is. It's just, it's, it's, it's the brilliance of the elite, the Bucks and Tony Khan is that they're just, and maybe that they're just working all of us. You know what I mean? Because I just, I can't find, I, I don't understand how they can go out and do all of that on live TV and get away with like, it just, something didn't like Caitlin immediately was like, you guys are getting worked. You're dumb. And I was like, no, they're jerks. And it's because of, and I mean, I was bought in and stuff, but I, after seeing that now I'm like, what's, going on here like i just i was really shocked that they were allowed to get away with that like if that was like the fact that they moved, made fun of him so bad but again where's the blurred line where's the line you know what's real what's not what's it was is this all just a, a ploy to get an, a, a response which is ultimately the goal of professional wrestling is to cheer the good guy boo the bad guy you know and they were on they were in pure form and it was a banger of a match and it was great um, it, I don't know if they, if it, if it played well on TV, but even again, I'll say it again and again throughout this podcast, I love wrestling and I love a Chicago crowd is you could tell the Chicago crowd was like, I know what you guys are doing and I'm really enjoying it. And like, they got, like, you could tell the crowd was, they was the, the ebbs and flow of that was like, okay, this is actually a really good trios match, but God damn it. I fucking hate you guys. And you know, of course then when it, when yeah. it got a little bit of a lull, Kenny Omega does the GTS and it's just like. What I don't know. It, it, maybe they showed their hands that night, or maybe they truly are just assholes, and that they're going to get. I don't know, but I'm in. I'm in for this best of seven. I'm going to watch every episode or every match. I will boo the elite out of the building every single time. But like this was the reason I wanted to go to this, and it. And you would think that the the, the hatred in this match, and I apologize. I know I'm talking. A lot here because I really want to hear what you guys have to say seeing it from, you know, the non-live crowd. You would have thought the air would have been sucked out after this match. No, we, that crowd was still so fired up because of these guys. But again, goes back to they did their job. They're making everybody stick around for more wrestling and no one left that show. No one left. So I, we're suckers maybe or they're assholes. I don't know. But guys, what did you what did you think? I would say that, and I mentioned this to you guys during the show, I texted you and I said, you know, they're not even acknowledging CM Punk on commentary. And to me, that's, that's an, that's a cue for me, right? Because I've seen a lot of people, you know, in, in, in analysis over the last week say, you know, like, oh, well, Punk has to come back, right? He has to come back. There's no way they're going to be doing all of this if there's no payoff, Right. But at the same time, I, and I get why people would say that. I get the logic of that. But again, the fact that they're not acknowledging it on commentary is what really, really makes me think this is just the Bucks and Kenny being dicks. Um, because if it was for a story, if they were going somewhere, commentary is part of the team. You know, they're, they're going to, they're going to play and there's going to be cues there. It's kind of like how you could tell somebody's legit injured or if it's a work injury, because do they show it? 
right? Are they going to show the guy on camera or are they doing everything they can? You know, is it a legit run in or is it a shoot run in? Let's see if, you know, are they showing it or not? There's cues like that you can pick up. And the fact that, again, there were ample opportunities for commentary to say something about how easy would it have been right for 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 you know excalibur to say you know like oh here we are in the home of cm punk hitting the gts nothing nothing and yeah. i'm saying acknowledge the critic you know acknowledge the 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 brawl and all out even just acknowledging cm punk period you're in fucking chicago they're doing cm punk shit left and right and you don't even mention his name that's that to me says that that the punks the punks <laughs> Freudian slip that to me says that the bucks and, and Omega are going into business for themselves here. And, and, you know, I said, another thing I texted you guys during the show is that same fucking day, the same day of the show, Omega did an interview where he was talking about how it's not us versus punk. You know, people need to move on. What the fuck, Kenny? Like where well, you, <laughs> people need to move on? Or are you going to keep pouring salt in this wound? Make up your goddamn mind, bro. Yeah. I, well, and it's funny that you said that, Tom. I, I definitely want to hear what you think. But like the reviews that I heard um, or I was reading just because, you know, maybe somebody saw it differently or maybe I picked something up differently and whatnot. But every one of them said and and Omega does the GTS. Wait, didn't Kenny just do an article where he said like every single one of them mentioned were like, wait, what? Like, why did you just do that? Those it, I don't know. Very interesting. But Tom, what do you think? Um, I mean, I <laughs> I mean, watching it live, I I I. Um, boy, I I could just imagine like the TNT execs just being like, "Oh my god, like please get this crowd to stop." Because I mean, I I don't think that it sounded like. Sorry, I have hair in my mouth. It sounded like that they they did not stop until that match ended. Uh, and and, no. and I, it, it's hard to say, man. I think it's it's. Part of me is is with you, Mike. Like, oh, we're being totally worked because I think, um, just the 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 subtle the subtle like moves that they were doing it, to like rile up the crowd. That was like that's a total work move. But like Jim, I totally agree with you. Also, that there was no mention of punk. At least, at least, even they could have at best could have said like, oh, we know who moves that. Like, whose move that is. And it's like, okay, he's referencing CM Punk. Okay, here we go. And it, it's just such a toss-up. And honestly, at this point, work, shoot, or whatever, I'm just getting a little tired of it. And it is, like we said, I, it's time to move on. Whether whether it's a work, start revealing the work because you're going to start losing. Like, I feel like you're going to start losing viewerships or we're, or we're going to get annoyed and just be like, oh, it's Kenny and, and his friends just being stupid. And... Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm just letting you know right now, Tom, I am not moving on from this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will I, never see that. Not happening. Anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to, I didn't, it's still real to me. Damn it. <laughs> like, I mean, I think it was also too part of the work. If it is a work, Kenny Omega being like, Hey, we're moving past this, blah, 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 blah. Of course you're going to tune in to be like, Oh, okay, well let's see. And then he's just like, Nope. GTS bite and like all this stuff. But like, <laughs> I mean, I hope, I, I really hope, because it, it takes away from Death Triangle, if you ask me, because that, that trios is phenomenal. I'm loving the story amongst themselves. The fact that, like, we're seeing, you know, Penta and uh, Phoenix kind of have this, like, 
man, we don't want to be shit. Like, we don't want to be these guys. We don't want to be the bad guys. And Pac's like, do it, do it. Um, I mean, I'm not over it, but I'm over it. You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, let's see what else you got. Let's let's move on past this. I just, I, I just, I waited for Punk to come back for so long, and I, I like I said, I really think he got the shin into the stick here, and I, I it just it bump, it really bugs me. You know, I know he's hard to work with. I, I get that, but like, I'm sorry, man. I, that that MJF dog collar match that he did when he came out to his old music and his old, I that was great. That really oh, was yeah. awesome to me, and it was just. I, and and again, MJF versus Punk would have been glorious. Like that, I'm sorry, could have been a, an entire year's worth. Easy. Um, and it just, it bums me out because I thought we could have gotten some really good shit out of it. So, but moving on and speaking of some good shit that we actually did get, um, again, the, the crowd was hot for this. I was, oof, boy, I don't want to say hot for this because that sounds bad. But uh, next up, um, well, before the match, um, I should say Renee Paquette came out. Um, and everyone was like, okay, who's she going to interview? And all of a sudden she said something about, she, you know, I, I couldn't quite hear her because again, the crowd was just on fire, jibber jabbering, jibber jabbering. And she says something about the AEW women's world title. And I was like, oh my God, wait, I, oh my God, I think, I think, I think I know what they're doing. And sure enough, what they do is, is they, uh, Renee Paquette comes out great having her announce it. Um, not Tony Schiavone, um, kind of going back again to the, um, you know, uh, to the beginning of the podcast is just more representation by women. You know, I think it's great that she comes out. A woman is announcing that Thunder Rosa is being stripped of the title and Jamie Hayter is our new official women's world champion. That place went nuts. And when she came out, they went even, I mean, it was not like there was a guy in front of us that was wearing a, or uh, had a sign that was like, haters going to hate or something like that. And she pointed to the, to like our section in that place. Our section at least went wild. Like I love Jamie Hayter. Um, so what we get is Jamie Hayter, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD versus Sky Blue, Chicago uh, local. Amazing, by the way. And one of my really growing favorites, and don't be surprised if we don't do a spotlight on her soon, Willow Nightingale. Um, I am all in on her. I love her. And I think the combination of her and Sky Blue is fantastic. Um, and then we get Tay Mello and Anna Jay, who really gives a shit. Um, I'm not fans of them. I, I just, I, sorry. I, Tay Mello... I think Sammy Guevara and Anna Jay, I just don't understand why she went to the JAS. I don't think she need. I 100% agree she needed to leave the Dark Order. Do not think the JAS. I, I can't stand this. I'm going to choke you out thing. Like, it, it's really annoying and lame. I'm sorry. I just, I think they're lame and it just, they don't do anything for me. And I thought they didn't bring anything to this match. Um, long story short, great match. Uh, I, like Again, it's kind of hard to have. Um, a, a triple threat tag team match, but I thought they pulled it off well. And I, I, I can absolutely see, I, I, I think I see where they're going is sowing these seeds of dissension between the mean girls of Britt Baker and DMD. Britt got the pin again. Uh, and if you noticed last week, she got the pin before that um, and whatnot. So it's like, I, I can truly see what they're doing and I'll take it. I, I love it. Like I said, I think last week we talked about it with the full gear, uh, pay-per-view, you know, it's just, give me some mean girls, man. Just let them go. I want to see Jamie Hayter just be mean. I want to see Britt Baker just be mean. I can just, this could be a lot of fun. Um, or, you know, and again, maybe they team up for a little bit and we get, you know, just these two mean girls versus these like adorable, the adorable sky blue and Willow Nightingale. Like I'll take that all day. Like give me a good mean girls and, you know, eventually kind of get to the baby faces and be like, yeah, go baby face. You know, like it's just, I'm always, I'm a, I'm a sucker for a good turn, but long story short, great match. Um, Jamie Hader is just, man, wow. I, sky's the limit with her. I love what they're doing with Britt. 
Um, again, if you haven't checked out Sky Blue, if you're in the area, <laughs> any of our listeners are in Chicago, um, check her out. She's amazing. Um, she does a lot with Zello Pro. Check her out. Check Willow Nightingale out. Sam Anna J. Sure, why not? Go for it if that's your thing. But um, I'm all in for this Jamie Hader, Britt Baker. Guys, what do you what do you think? What were what were your thoughts on the on the triple threat here? I loved it. I thought it was really great. I, I think it showcased everybody perfectly. Um uh, you can see the the turn, Britt Baker and, and Hader coming a mile away. And I love it. I, I like you said, Mike, I, you can see it, they're, they're planting the seeds. I think w- at one point uh, when uh, Renee P- Paquette was interviewing like Britt Baker, like interrupted and like spoke over Jamie Hader, which is like, <laughs> yeah. great. you can't, it's so good when people are just like, purposely being obnoxious heels and, and it's really great. And <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love both of them. Uh, I love both of them very much was what I was about to say. Um, <laughs> my daughters, I'm so proud of you girls. Um, but no, I think they're phenomenal to watch. And, and like we said last week, I mean, they're going to take women's division to a completely different level and, and deservedly. So I could, I'll watch their matches all, you know, all the time. Yeah. I I'm looking forward to a Britt Baker, Jamie hater feud. Um, you know, I, I think obviously Jamie's got to go face. Uh, there's no way Britt goes face. Oh yeah, no way. Um, but they're going to have great fucking matches. And honestly, my greatest hope is that if Britt versus Jamie happens, maybe that's a reason for rebel to go away because she serves zero fucking purpose whatsoever. Uh, and so, you know, if you break up Jamie and Britt, maybe rebel just gets discarded as kind of offshoot. And I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that happening. I agree. Brett, I, I think it rebel was good for the beginning to help Britt kind of find her, her voice and whatnot. And it, it's always good to have the, you know, your, lackey friend but it's definitely i mean brit has clearly it's it's growing more and more where she she doesn't need anybody i don't need you anymore rebel goodbye i i 100 agree though i really do i mean i don't think she does and i mean i then okay great because i don't know i haven't heard jamie on the mic much but then okay maybe rebel switches sides and you know does the favor for for jamie hater and kind of is her mouthpiece you know so it i agree with you jim i don't she doesn't serve much of a purpose but i think it's it's it slightly there but i agree it's kind of like at this point um why is she out there (laughs) doesn't get involved um doesn't say anything she's just kind of there it's just weird i do i don't know i don't know but speaking of just kind of there or uh well not i mean well he's there i don't know if he's all there but uh our next match and our main event uh, was uh, the Ring of Honor World Championship, uh, Chris Jericho versus the great Tomohiro Ishii. Um, again, all I cared about was Ishii. Um, Jericho served his punch, or wow, see, they're, they're already kind of playing in my hand, served his purpose of just taking punches, and my God, did that man, I, I'll give him that. That man, his chest probably hurt a whole bunch, or is probably still hurting. I mean, he was, it, I was wondering, because even Caitlin, Caitlin is not a fan of the blood, and when she saw, she's like, oh, my God, who's bleeding? I can't see it. And I was like, I think it's Chris Jericho's chest. <laughs> like He beat the shit out of that man's chest. And I mean, these I, I will give Jericho credit. The man, when you get him with a good dance partner, the, he can dance. And he knew his role and took a fucking ass kicking by Ishii. And it, it, it's, it's funny. I didn't even realize that Ishii is not that much. I think he's younger than Jericho, but not by much. Ishii outperformed Jericho and maybe that was the way the working match maybe that's how they had it set up 
but like uh, really yeah right well no that's what i'm saying is just like it's that's why it's so hard for me to watch chris jericho when someone who's almost as old as he is can go harder and faster and deliver a better product um and again i think jericho is just he's a good dance partner i think w- when he figures out what he's good at um and and you know the styles that work with him that i think that's why he did really well with bandito because he has the luchador history or you know the mexican style the lucha libre i should say um so i think he can he knows that style um he can wrestle jericho can wrestle so he does he did really well with danielson and I, he can take an ass kicking <laughs> maybe it was his days as the pain maker in japan and just getting a crap kicked out of him but like it, it served its purpose, um, you know, kind of I wasn't really that wasn't the reason I was going. Um, I, I mean, I'm always happy to watch Chris Jericho get the crap kicked out of him. Um, so that was fun. But like, eh, no real big payoff. It was fun seeing him do the Lyman Tamer and then Ishii flips him off and taps out like, oh, I love it. Like still makes him look. I mean, he's the fucking stone pit bull. Like he, it's hard to make that man look bad. But it just this match was like, eh, it didn't really like it was a good it was a good way to end. Cause I think a lot of the people were like at this point kind of tired. Okay. We're, we're, we're losing steam a little bit. We get to see Ishii and Jericho. Hell fuck it. Why not? You know, but like uh, overall, like this, if, it, if, if I decided to leave at this point, I, I w- it wouldn't have made me mad if I would have left. It just, it, the match didn't really seem to serve a purpose. It didn't, I, I know Claudio kind of came out at the end, but it really just, I mean, it was real brief and then he left. So I can only assume what they showed on TV was again, very brief and whatnot but like it just this didn't seem to fit the storyline it was just i don't know if maybe because like there was really no, i didn't know ishii was a former ring of world honor champion um maybe i missed that champion. tv champ ah okay so i guess they're still doing the that it's not just any for it's a former champion of ring of honor there's no build up to this you know what I mean? it just again it just felt like it was like uh shit we got to figure something out maybe somebody was late uh ishii's available throw him in you know what i mean it just didn't seem well put together good way to end the night but you know i take it or leave it i don't know what did you guys think i'd, l- I'd love to see what you guys yeah, think. I, I mean, I've, been, I've been bitching about it for weeks since we've done this podcast the entire theme of this ring of honor thing is i don't understand what's going on like i i i have seen by the way um was is it kenta kobayashi I've seen him him and Joe slap the living shit out of each other, and I've never seen a guy's chest break open. Like, that was the weirdest. I was just like, ooh, what is going on? Like, Jericho's weird chest is just gushing blood. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I'm tired of seeing Jericho. Uh, I'm getting I'm getting to the level of, like, being – being uh, a Jim Yeager about Jeff Jarrett with Jericho being like, why are you on my TV? Like what, what purpose are you serving? Like that whole ring of honor thing is confusing. I, I think it was a massive mistake. Uh, I mean, I'm, I, I think it was a massive mistake bringing in all those titles and trying to make that work. Just bring in all the talent and just figure out what you're going to do with it. Um, or make, and I know there was like rumors of like ring of honor could be the next NXT kind of thing for Tony Khan, but it, it's not happening. It's just, it's confusing. There's too many. I, I feel like at this point now, there's too many titles in the company to even keep track of. And you're like, oh yeah, okay. Well, we have this this championship that so and so won over in NWA, and now they're over here. Like, it's just, I I don't think it was a good way to close out your show. I think the show was incredible, but I just was like, god damn it. Of course, Jericho is going to get the last. And and that's another, you know, if you want to 
point fingers at the Bucks and, and Kenny Omega, you're going to have to include Jericho for even allowing this to happen. Why was Chris Jericho the last match televised in Chicago? Because it was a fuck you to CM Punk. That's what it was. And, and it's just like, I don't know. I, I love uh, Ishii. Served no purpose. So This is the worst buildup to a pay-per-view I think I've ever seen because clearly they're building up to um, – Oh my God. Um, Rangers coming or something for, like that? Full battle, final battle. I almost said full are bound for glory. I was like, oh God, no, that's TNA. Um, no, this has been the worst buildup to a pay per view because it, because Claudio came out. So, okay, so now you're doing Claudio versus Jericho again? Like, what the fuck is happening? Like, what is that? Like, so anyway, that's, I just wanted to say that. Like, so I just, worst buildup I've ever seen. But, Jim? Well, yeah, I, I was just going to say, I think that's exactly what's happening. They, they've run out of ideas. I think they've compl- I, I don't think they had a great vision to start with this Jericho run, but I think they're completely fucking run out at this point. And they're like, uh, Claudio, I just <laughs> there's no fucking reason for this to continue on at all. So if it doesn't end soon, you're going to see some hardcore fucking fans turning uh, on Jericho and not in a like. Oh yeah, we're we're booing him because he's a heel, but in a like, I hope you fucking die, you know. Like, like I'm talking like X Pac heat, right? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And that's they. Yes, they need Ring of Honor to be its own thing. They need it to exist on a new level. But you know, Tony Khan said this week, you know, Ring of Honor deserves better than YouTube. You know, like he wants Ring of Honor to have a weekly show, but he doesn't want it to be on YouTube. And yeah, I agree. But put some more eggs into that basket. Let's put some more effort into making that happen. Absolutely. And I think for me, that starts with putting the belt on somebody who's a ring of honor wrestler. Uh, and honestly, not even Claudio. I, I, I think Claudio should stay at AEW. I think I think I've, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think taking the belt off Jonathan Gresham was a mistake. I think it'll show over and over again to be a mistake. I think if you start ROH today with Jonathan Gresham as your helm, you're off and fucking running, man. And and you're demonstrating this is a different product. This is a different show. But if you just put an AEW guy as the top guy, it's no, it's just, it's just AEW junior. It's not ROH at that point. Fantasy booking is if Claudio beats Jericho, give me Claudio versus um, Gresham for the title. Oh my God. and I give, I could see Claudio being over there to kind of get a rub. Okay. You got a big name and getting him back over and giving him way more main events, uh, you know, as he rightfully deserves, but I'm with you, Jim. I, I think it taking it off of Gresham in the first place was stupid. Um, and I it just, I honestly think that I, it seems like they may have burned a bridge because I, I heard there was, he was Jonathan Gresham was basically trying to explain to Tony Khan why it was a bad idea um, and whatnot. And I think it, it, he went and started his own promotion down in Georgia. The um, I can't think of the name of it, but everything I've heard, it's been pretty good so far. The couple of shows he's put on. Um, and so it might be AEW's loss, unfortunately, um, which, which would stink. But yeah, get boy, give me Gresham all day long that if there's anybody that deserves a, a, a run like that, you know, where he's at, it's, it's Gresham and ROH uh, it, to the moon. I, I would see nothing but just even more better things for him down the road. Of war games! War games! War games! War games! Well, the other 
big event this week, uh, aside from the obvious um, Mike going to Dynamite. Uh, the other big event- no, I thought, I thought you were going to say Mike shitting on the Elite again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, tomato, tomato. Mike goes to Dynamite, Mike shits on the Elite. Same thing. Uh, so the other major event that happened this week was, of course, War Games! Uh, where the WWE put on Survivor Series and and used Survivor Series as a vehicle for war games. Uh, I will say that I'm a big fan of the war games match concept, uh, not just because I am in love with Dusty Rhodes and everything he has ever done, but because I think it's just a great match concept in general. And I'm glad to see it make it to the main stage of the WWE. Um, that being said, the, the the show itself started off with the first of two war games matches and this was the women's war game match with with team est versus team damage control uh i don't know why i said that like they're a monster truck i was gonna say everything about what you just said made me like fucking hate wrestling like i was like i fucking hate this already yeah damage control so uh we had a war games match of uh uh, bianca belair's team uh versus the team headed up by bailey uh, ultimately, Bianca Belair's team uh, walks away with a victory. The good guys pick up the win. Way to go, EST, blabbity blue. Tom, what did you think of the match? What was your overall impression of the match? Um, the, the fun takeaway was watching Alexa Bliss at the end, who looked like she just could not give a shit she was there. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was great. And, and a lot of people, I've been like checking it out online, and they were like – yeah, like this could be like a Bray thing. She's just like summoning Bray. And I was like, no, she looked bored out of her mind. And I, I think, uh, I mean, if anything, it was okay. It was it was, it was was a fun match to start off the, the pay-per-view. Um, I liked the, the Rhea Ripley tease with uh, her and Becky Lynch. And I love Becky Lynch. And um, I, I just don't, I don't understand what they're doing with Bailey. Like why bring her back? And just, it, it seems like they've just been doing nothing but jobbing her out. Um, I don't know. I mean, it was okay. There was a lot of really like scary spots that I think were yeah. like completely unnecessary. And and De- um, uh, not Dakota Dakota Kai. Yeah, Dakota Kai like took a a beating during that match, like just a brunt of some of that stuff. So like it, it was okay. I wasn't I wasn't like overly like impressed with it. I thought it was a good way to start the pay per view it went on a little too long and ultimately my feeling was just, just watch Alexa bliss. That was my feeling like, just like, okay. I think that this, I mean, obviously this was the vehicle for Becky Lynch made her return. Um, at, uh, it was raw, right? I think it was the raw before or was a SmackDown? It was, SmackDown. Was, it, SmackDown. was a SmackDown. Okay. Um, yeah, see, I clearly, I don't watch. Um, so I knew I'm like, okay, she's either going to get it or maybe Rhea is going to get the rub. Um, she's got it. She's doing just fine, you know, um, with the damn or damage control with uh, judgment day. Um, yeah, they just, it was a vehicle just to eventually get to fucking, um, Bel Air and Lynch again, Yawn. So, yeah, I, I, I didn't, I really wanted this to be a great match because a women's war game match in NXT, they had some fucking phenomenal ones. Um, I will say that I was there in person for the War Games Chicago several years ago. No um, way, really? Yeah, that's where Rhea Ripley had a real breakout performance, um, where Rhea Ripley uh, versus Shayna Baszler 
um, was kind of the highlight of those those two teams, captaining those two teams. And and Bianca Blair was in that match, right? And, and Dakota Kai was in that match. And so I, I had high hopes, but ultimately I'll say, for me, it, it wasn't that there were scary spots so much as there were scary mistakes. There was some sloppy fucking moves in that match. And I don't know if it was nerves. I don't know if it was miscommunications, but there, there was there were several moments in there where I'm like, God, somebody's going to get hurt. Oh, yeah. God, somebody's going to get hurt. And and there was, in fact, a point where near the end of the match, uh, Bianca Belair, uh, I thought she blew out her knee. Uh, she caught uh, EO Sky coming off of the, the top of the cage of the moonsault. Uh, and. I, the way Bianca went down, I'm like, well, there goes the women's champ. Uh, she ended up being okay, thank God. Jeez. But uh, yeah. Yeah, there was there was a lot of of just scary moments for me that shouldn't have been scary. Yeah, it wasn't um, didn't I? I think even um, oh my God, uh, Bailey didn't. I saw something recently. She looked like she took a gnarly dump on her head and almost. I mean, maybe I don't know. She talked right when she should have, but that looked. I was like, oh God, icky. Well, Rhea, Rhea did like the two person like slam that she normally does. And it, she like, it looked like she dumped one of them on their head. Like she was like, oh, I can't lift this. I can't lift this much. They didn't jump. They didn't jump. Wall <laughs> <laughs> games. Yeah, at the end of this match, one thing that I thought was was an interesting move that they, they moved on from in WWE is is immediately following this match is they went to a promo package. But it wasn't a promo package for an upcoming match. It was a promo package for Brock Lesnar, which <laughs> I, I, the last time we saw Brock Lesnar was in Saudi Arabia. There's no reason to believe we're going to see him again anytime soon. And so this is this is the first of many times throughout the night. I find myself going, are they really just setting up? in case scenarios at this point. Uh, and as we see with some more promos coming up, I, I feel like that might be, uh, that might be what they're doing. They might just be keeping certain names in our memory, either for a, the Royal rumble or B a, like just in case we need to throw this person out there at some point. Uh, so I thought that, that was, weird. did you guys see the Brock Lesnar oh, yeah. promo? Yeah, was I was, I was kind of disappointed that they didn't do like Brock, it, since he was last in Saudi Arabia, like an '80s action, like a montage of him, like oh my God. out of his way out, you know, finding his way out of Saudi Arabia, and he's like, you know, finds himself, he's like, speaking, he's like, oh, like you know, trying to get like a camel from somebody or something, you know, like I think it would have been amazing. Oh my God. I would forgive so many things if they did that. Right? If they had, oh they, God, that would be I would have. They had that like so 80s, that '80s like you know, like going with it, like just like oh, this is an ultimate montage. I want Brock Lesnar right now. You gotta have a badass rock song with a montage. Oh yeah, That's exactly. The That's, they, they blew it. <laughs> they didn't do that. Now, now, once they got done with the, the Brock package, they went to a recap. They recapped the, the KO Sami Zayn moment from the night before at SmackDown. And for those of you who didn't see it, basic gist here is, is that KO, uh, Kevin Owens catches up with Sami Zayn outside of the Bloodlines locker room and tells Sami, hey, what are you doing? You better turn on the Bloodline before they turn on you. And all the while, Jey Uso is standing on the other side of the door, eavesdropping. Now, Here's here's the thing that drives me fucking nuts is 
three seconds before and after this happens, you have people looking directly into camera and talking to the camera, which means we are not living in a voyeuristic world. We know the cameras are there. The participants know the cameras are there. We know this is on television. We've no longer continued this, this you know, this, this b- myth that, that we're spying, right? It's long out the window. Then why the fuck are we acting like Sami Zayn can't watch the replay later? Right? This is going on on fucking international television. It's on Peacock that night. And we're going to pretend like Sami Zayn doesn't watch the fucking show afterwards. Like, I had no idea Jay was listening to me. Oh, mysterious. Fuck you. That kind of shit is so insulting to my intelligence. And it drives me fucking nuts. I hate this whole like, you know, like this isn't a fucking Greek tragedy, right? You're not Sophocles. You're fucking Triple H. Okay. There's none of this like, oh, the audience knows, but the characters don't. This stop it. Fucking stop it. Just we know it's there. Let them know it's there. Get more creative with your writing because this whole I didn't see him listening to me fucking drives me insane. It just drives me fucking insane. If we don't get a shirt that says, what what was his name again? Sophocles. Sophocles. (laughs) If we don't get a shirt that says, you're you're not Sophocles. You're fucking Triple H. What are we doing here, guys? <laughs> Seriously, what are we doing as a podcast? What are we doing? I honestly think that it's it's a struggle um, with the WWE right now. Uh, is that I? I mean, obviously, Jim, d- spot on for I think the, the for the for the well versed wrestling fan. Um, but like thinking it from a kid, I mean, what better? Oh, oh, you know what I mean? And it's like it's it's early. It's early heel work and it's drawing them in. And I think that that's part of the problem with WWE right now is that one, they're coming off the Vince McMahon era and which was still PG, but now it's like, we got to kind of be PG because the former owner was a sleaze. And like, I feel like honestly, Triple H is just playing it smart. And I think he's just letting all like, and Tom and I were talking about, and maybe all three of us talked about this. I think Trips is like, stay with me. I'm going to sprinkle some stuff in because he has, he's had some where I've been like, Okay, the next match I think we're going to talk about AJ versus uh, Finn. That's okay. I, you, you got me. You know, two good, two really good, talented guys doing the work, and he's just stay with me. And I got to let this dumb shit play out. I think like with the the fucking scripts. I think that's what that is. Is like just put this on. I'll give you five million dollars. It'll be over. You know what I mean? No, I I, I seriously thought that thought the same thing, Jim. Which is like. Wouldn't Sami Zayn just be like, "Oh man, I love that show. Let me let me watch the tapes again." And they're like, "No, no, no, wait, no, no, no." They edited it out. They they bounce back and forth between you know pretending like we're we're spying on them, and then acknowledging the cameras. You yeah. know, it just yeah. pick a fucking lane, bro. Just and and you know, and and you already mentioned Mike, but you know this led into this led into Finn versus AJ, which I was fucking excited for, but yeah. Why didn't this get a good setup, right? Instead, we 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 go from fucking Kale and Sami Zayn recap to Finn and AJ. I just I don't see it's a non sequitur to me, and I I also didn't understand that move. But anyway, uh, I, great match, Finn versus AJ. Great match. Um, the ending felt a little clunky to me. I feel like the ending maybe something didn't go right, but it's fucking Finn Balor and AJ Styles. You know, those two are. It's going to be a cold day in hell when those two put on a bad match. 
So I, I, I was, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I liked the fact that the judgment day was pretty much a non-issue. Uh, I think getting them out of the picture is important because, uh, it's stupid and well, especially, well, especially for this match, it's not needed. It's you don't need fucking Dominic Mysterio to do a run in on a Finn Balor AJ Styles match. Like Mysterio is the future. Okay. An hour of your time. <laughs> An hour of your time. Too long. No, I put together a PowerPoint. Two hours of your time to explain why. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree with you, Jim. I think AJ and Finn all day long, man. And and actually what I was pleasantly surprised with, even though Michael Cole drives me absolutely insane listening to his commentary, is the fact that they're – and this is – you can totally tell this is 100% a Triple H move – is they're acknowledging the Bullet Club. They're acknowledging like WCW War Games. They're acknowledging uh, all these things that happened happened in the past, like rivalries that have stemmed in different – like different companies. I think that's a brilliant idea. I think that's great. It's about time – if you're not, if you're, I feel like that's one thing that McMahon always made a point of is to be like, these two have never seen each other. And you're like, dude, two years ago, they were like sold out in the Tokyo Dome. Like, what are you talking about? And if you want to insult an audience's intelligence, that's the way to do it. And I think it's really smart that Triple H is like, forget it. Just, just, just mention the bullet club for crying out loud. Well, I think everybody just got tired of of like what you just said, Tom. It's just like fucking acknowledge it already. And I think also, too, Vince was a narcissist. Like, you think he's going to talk about anybody but himself? Please. Like, I, no, I guarantee he probably was like, you mentioned fucking Bullet Club. You're out of here. You know what I mean? He's like, you're in the oh, WWE. Yeah. Like, you're in the WWE, place. pal. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I come on, please. You don't think that that went on? I mean, come on. It Whatever. But. Yeah, no, this I, there's not much more to say about this match. I think it's essentially we're looking at one guy replacing another like he's training and building his his replacement like oh, Finn yeah. is the next AJ. I mean, it, I, it, what he replaced him as the leader of Bullet Club. I mean, it's just these two guys have mirrored their career um, and they're fantastic. And uh, you get what you get. And like you guys said, ending was a little clunky. I thank God the judgment day didn't show up because like it just didn't make any sense. And it's like. Again, you can tell who's at the helm for this, you know, maybe not, you know, obviously Triple H calling the producing the match, but saying, you know, these guys can just let them roll. You know what I mean? And like, just let them go. They don't need any stupid fucking interference. Let them go. And they did. And it, I liked it. It worked. I, you know, I'm like, okay, maybe they'll, you know, it, it, I don't know. It got me interested in the next match. I don't, I don't know if, um, I mean, I was sadly, sadly disappointed, but in the next match. So Jim, uh, what, um, do do tell do lead this one off war games continuing the fucking wonderful trend of wait why is this next we go from finn versus aj to a live morgan promo pack uh because why the fuck not i guess and again it's like all right are we are we keeping her in mind for the rumble or for a Justin K? I don't know. Uh, and we go from Liv Morgan to a recap uh, of the the precursor to Shotzi versus Ronda Rousey. Oh, which, <laughs> I mean, I look, there have been many things. I'm 42 years old. Uh, as Tom likes to point out, I'm fucking old. There have been many times in my life where I have thought, <laughs> don't need this uh don't need this at all and watching 
watching the run-up to Shotzi versus Ronda was one of the strongest sensations of, nope, no, thank you, I've had <laughs> since, yeah, since I was like a third grader, I think. Uh, but but we we found a way to make the feeling worse, and that was by having the actual match. Um, and I will say that I think Shotzi Blackheart has a track record of knowing what she's fucking doing in the ring. Shotzi has a body of work that proves that she is capable. She is 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 very good at her craft. The fact that this was one of the worst fucking matches I've ever seen, let alone on a pay-per-view, falls squarely on the shoulders of Ronda fucking Rousey. And the entire match, the whole time I'm thinking, this is so bad, it has to be just a setup for Sasha Banks' return. Then it just ended up being just that bad. There was no setup. It wasn't like we're saving it for the Sasha pop. No, it's just we don't know what the fuck to do anymore. Here you go, Ronda Rousey. Guys, I know you. I know you're a big Ronda Rousey fan, so obviously I'm going to give you the chance to defend her. But what, what were your thoughts of Shotzi versus Ronda? First of all, Ronda Rousey is a fucking saint. You understand me? Um, <laughs> no, man, that was that was. I tra- got it wrong this year, guys. <laughs> Dude, that was a train wreck of a match. I mean, I'm not a really big uh, Shotzi uh, fan. I, I just like, eh, whatever. Um, it, when she won the 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 qualifying match to face Ronda, I was like, uh, okay. I was like, all right. Um, and Ronda, dude, yeah, I mean, good God. Why they brought her back. I mean, she even, I mean, it looked like at some points during the match, she was just like, whatever, like, don't care. Um, and, and this, this is again, I know we've, we've mentioned it before when we were reviewing pay-per-views to me, this is absolutely when you have no chemistry whatsoever. And I believe I said it the same thing about uh, Rhonda and Liv Morgan. And, and yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right, man. It is a Rhonda problem and they, they need to, they need to rectify that shit immediately. I think, I don't know what the future holds with Sasha. Cause I know they're like, obviously want to bring her back. She's hung up on pay after obviously getting that enormous payday from Disney. Um, she's like, do I really need to do this anymore? Um, I mean, I could see Charlotte coming back and, and I guess having another feud with her, but like, I feel like that would just be super terrible for Charlotte to come back to. (laughs) Um, yeah, man, it was, it was, I think the worst match of the night, if not the worst match I've seen in a very long time. Mike. Come on, hero of women's rights. Let's hear what you got. <laughs> no, man. I, you know, Shotzi's fun. Like you, Jim, she knows her craft. She, she can, she can wrestle. Um, she's got a great, she's got a great look. She's, it, it happens to be, I think she's, it, it, she can sell the hell out of Halloween havoc and um, a couple other things, but like, I, you know, I think they'll find something to do with her, but I mean, she's, I, I like her, you know, it's okay. Kind of fun, but like, my God, I, what a task getting in there with Rhonda. And I mean, I, I, I wasn't even, I wasn't never big on Rousey, Rousey, uh, Rhonda joining, um, to begin with. I think it was knowing Rhonda. I think it was just, it was like, I needed to, to feel better about my, 
I, now the fact that everybody's figured out my MMA game. Um, and so I'll just go do this naturally. And I think she's a gifted athlete for sure. hundred percent. She's a fucking Olympian. I can't take that away from her. And I think triple H can, you know, I think that he recognizes, I think what's good about triple H is he is a wrestler's wrestler, but he also wrestled. He recognizes that wrestling is an element of Kearney. You know what I mean? And I think he's like, yep, I got to bring her in. And I think she's eventually going to fizzle out. I think the fans are picking up on the fact that she couldn't give two fucks about being there ever since that whole story broke when she like, it was like, you could tell that was a forced, I was just kidding. I was being a heel. Like, no, you really meant that. Like this, this isn't for you. I think it was just the next payday and she'll fizzle out. That's why I'm not worried about it. And I think the lead up here is clearly coming. It's going to be Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey. Okay, cool. I mean, so maybe we'll get a little bit more stylistically because they're two MMA. So like that, maybe that'll, that's what they're building for. And they're going to try and save her onto that way. To try and be positive, you know, I, I mean, it, hey, she brings female eyes to the product. That's great. I appreciate it. It's just it sucks that this is who they have to pick to be their face and their champion right now. And I mean, even as a heel, she's not even a good heel. Like it's you can just tell like it's just so forced. And like if you just laid into more of the I really don't want to be here, like I'd probably buy a bit. Like, Man, fuck this girl. Like. You know what I mean? And really, but she's not even doing that. And it's just, it's, it's not good. And like I said, I think at some point it'll fizzle out and we'll, I would say in a year or two, we're never Rhonda's done and she'll get into the hall of fame and uh, she might come back and wrestle a couple of times, but she'll be on to her next venture. It, 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 it is, it's going to pass her by. There's just too many, you know what I mean? Like if, if Sasha Banks comes back, Oh my God, please. I, uh, do you really, really think that they're going to like, someone's going to be like, nah, I want to see Rhonda go over, get out of here. You know, like it's only a matter of time. And it's just, you know, even like some of the, I could see Thunder Rosa at, at some, maybe coming up. You know what I mean? It's just a matter of time before it's just people that know their, their craft and can do it well are going to replace her. And that's say what you will about it. That's I'm not shitting on her as a person or a wrestler. It's just, I, that I just, that's my opinion. Did you guys know that it was produced by the conspiracy nut job Brian Kendrick, who's back, who's quietly back in the WWE? And we can say this for a different time, but I was vastly disappointed when I heard that. <laughs> yeah, I got to be honest. Um, if there was one match for him to produce, him producing Ronda Rousey makes a lot of fucking sense. Yes, it does. They're both fucking insane but yeah i uh i i think if i think if they used ronda the way that they're using um logan paul that would have been smart right don't make her a regular wrestler because nobody gives yeah. a fuck anymore yeah yeah the mystiques it, it wore off and i think and that's well and that, and honestly and i god i can't believe i'm gonna say this but a lot of other people do too is that it's it they don't have vince mcmahon anymore and that's it. He Vince specialized in that carny bullshit and it made him a gazillionaire. And it, clearly Triple H is like, yeah, no, that's not what we're doing these days. You know what I mean? And it's just fizzling its way out. So War games. So speaking of fizzle, uh, after the <laughs> shots, <laughs> we get yet another promo pack. Uh, this one for Cody. Uh, and now obviously the speculation has been for a while that Cody's going to, you know, come back at the rumble, uh, one of the, you know, top odds to win the rumble, uh, at this point. But, uh, so, I mean, this, this promo makes sense. Uh, I think if Brock shows up at the promo or shows up at the promo, if Brock shows up at the rumble, 
if Liv Morgan has a big night at the Rumble, Cody shows up at the Rumble. Okay, this makes sense. It makes sense to do these promo packs during during Survivor Series. Uh, if those things don't happen, I don't. I I don't. It was filler. It's just filler. Yeah. Right. Um, especially considering again it, it transitions, right? In 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 news, we we call it stacking, right? You want to make sure that one story flows into the next in a cohesive manner, in a coherent manner at least. And there's just no fucking stacking here. You go from a Cody package to Sammy and Roman segment in the locker room. So Sammy and Roman talking about what happened the night before. Okay, I get you got to set up the main event, but why here? Why at this point, right? We then leave that segment and go to the highlight of the night, without a doubt. Uh, the thing that I was most looking forward to in this world, and that is Austin Theory and Bobby Lashley. Oh, and Seth Rollins. And a three-way dance, uh, triple threat for the United States heavyweight title. We Guys, we got a new champ. We got a new champ. The one and only two time now. Not only is he the youngest U.S. champ in history, but he's now the two time U.S. champion, Austin James Theory. I have no idea if his middle name is. <laughs> I was like, is that his <laughs> real name? <laughs> I thought I had a scoop be associated with his asshole. Okay, how about Austin Percival Theory? Is that better? <laughs> there we I go. Know. <laughs> he's apt. <laughs> What if, God, how amazing would the story be that he's like Paul Bear's bastard son? Oh <laughs> like, my god! It just wouldn't make any uh, sense. I would take back every bad thing I ever said. I would love that so much. That See, the, the, it, oh man, I I text Mike about this and I said, "Well, here's the thing. I forgot that he was roped into like underage grooming." And I was like, hey, this makes sense. This is kind of some smart booking. And Mike's like, hey, uh, hold on a second. Let me bring <laughs> you back to reality. And I was like, oh, that's right. This guy sucks. Um, and I don't know what they're doing with Theory. I, I don't like his new, like, ruthless aggression gimmick thing. I think it's really dumb. Um, I Seth Rollins, dude, the dude delivers. I love Seth Rollins. I, I mean... He is just, he's another dude that I've always said that you want in your company, no matter what. The dude's a journeyman. The guy could work. Uh, Bobby Lashley, well, Bobby Lashley's Bobby Lashley. And <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, on paper, it should have been really great. But after watching it, I was like, uh, okay, Rollins, Rollins delivered and that's it. Now what? And so, yeah, I mean, I was... Like I said, I was I had my mind immediately changed about this match because I don't want to support anybody that that is a creep or a pervert um, and Austin theories, all of those. So this was just like, a OK, cool. <laughs> Great. It's exact. It's exactly how I felt. Anytime I see that fucking turd man after hearing what he did, I just I can't like. Okay, I'll get behind, you know, EVPs acting stupid. That's one thing. But, like, I can't with this creep, you know? And, I mean, what we kicked off the show with is I, I'm tired of just putting it behind. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't, like – Absolutely, man. I, I, and I'm – yeah, I'm not even going to go there, so never mind. But um, it, it, it just – I can't, like you, Tom, like, okay, it's filler. You know, I, I wish I could have watched it I because I, I like Seth Rollins. I think he's – like you said, he's a journeyman – 
you're going to get something with Seth Rollins. It might not be great. It might not, but I mean, it's, it's going to be decent. You know what I mean? It's going to be well-protected, well-wrestled, good quality. I just, I can't watch this guy. Like I just, all I see, I just didn't look at it. And he just screams creep after finding out what he did. And like, and with this whole ruthless aggression, they're just billing him as the next John Cena. And I'm like, okay, wow. Here's another way to not get me to care about this fucking turd, you know, is you hand fed me (laughs) Cena for 15 years and like, thank God you kind of let him like, I think he did the best work of his um, right before he kind of kind of wound down when they finally let him go a little bit um, and whatnot. But like, I know you're you're trying to force and I, this is weird where it's thank God Vince McMahon isn't around because I'm pretty sure we'd get more of him, which would be disgusting. Um, I, I don't see what they see in him. So maybe right now. OK, cool. You're just delegated to the mid card U.S. title run. Ultimately, I don't care. I just I can't I can't get behind it and I'm not going to support it anymore. And it sucks that Bobby Lashley was kind of roped into this. I he serves his purpose. He's a good big man. You know, I like you got to have a big guy in a match. I get it. You know, the double fucking master lock thing was kind of cool. I was like, all right, cool. You know, yeah. was it big, meaty, big meaty man doing just it big, never, big fucking dude, it stuff. It never works right. I know it just you can't physically can't do that to two human beings and it looks terrible every time he does it right I, but I'm like oh cool he's gonna go I was like okay he can't hold it there's no he just can't do it right I although real quick uh doesn't Austin Theory look like he has like legit a thousand teeth in his mouth yes <laughs> weirdest mouth ever man Yes, he has. He and this is going to sound terrible. And I realize that we're 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 on a platform right now that does not know borders. It can be heard by anyone anywhere in the world. But I just I need to say this. And maybe this is just my my bias showing. But whatever. He looks like he's from the rural south. He looks like his granddaddy and his grandmammy met at the swimming hole yep. found out they were cousins but it was too <laughs> late they were already in love he looks like he took his daddy's 1973 Chevy to prom <laughs> while his date was wearing a camo dress he's fucking <laughs> rural southerner and the teeth thing just completely cements it for me he and looks, I, he I, looks I, like a walking I, version of the mouth of Sauron that yeah. he is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that guy has six thousand teeth in his mouth. <laughs> well, he's like he's like an alligator. The teeth are constantly growing <laughs> in. He just can't get them pulled fast enough. Yeah, right. <laughs> but he's like an alligator that wears the sunglasses. You know, he's he's kind of cool though. <laughs> yeah. he, alligator with a goatee. Uh, <laughs> he's got so yeah. bad. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah! Austin Theory fans over here. Yeah, so uh, you know Austin Theory, your new U.S. Uh, U.S. champ. I will say this: I, I Cena has already said he would like to face Austin Theory. So I, I think this is a build to WrestleMania. Cena making a comeback to have a match with Theory. I, I don't I don't I'm not saying it's what I want. I'm saying I think that's why they're doing the ruthless aggression and the Cena. Yeah, right and wasn't wasn't uh, uh, the first belt Cena won was the U.S. title. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. War games. Obviously, John Cena, one of the legends uh, of the last 30 years of pro wrestling. Love him or hate him, the man has made an incredible, uh, incredible mark, and uh, in a very similar vein. 
we we leave the triple threat match and we go into a promo pack uh, recapping the this interesting history uh, between Dexter Loomis and The Miz. Uh, obviously, The Miz, another pinnacle of pro wrestling the last 30 years, uh, changed the game dramatically. Uh, just, I mean, one of the best to ever lace the boots. And, uh, oh, shit, sorry. I thought I had my sarcasm filter on. I didn't have it on that whole time. Uh, so we have The Mix versus Dexter Loomis. Or as I like to, I've taken to calling it, we've alluded to it a few times, but I have started uh, calling this storyline the you did what to who story <laughs> uh, because it's very clearly going to end with a revelation that Dexter Loomis got him some ass. That's <laughs> uh, the only way that's good. So we get a recap of this storyline that legit nobody gives a shit about anymore. Um, <laughs> seriously, like even Johnny Gargano doesn't fucking care anymore. No one, everybody's moved on from this, but you know what? Let's give it prime real estate. Let's remind everybody of this horrible fucking story right before the main event. Makes no goddamn sense. Anyway. Yeah. Goes into the men's war game match. We got the bloodline uh, versus the, the brawling brutes uh, as well as honorary brutes of the evening. Uh, uh, Drew McIntyre and Kevin Owens. Uh Bloodline comes out on top. Obviously, big finish being uh, Sami Zayn uh, makes his choice. He makes his choice. He, he betrays his dear old friend, Kevin Owens, uh, and helps the bloodline win the match. So your winners uh, and still undisputed tag team and world champions, even though the belts weren't on the line, the bloodline uh, guys. What did you, I mean, what were your thoughts on the match? This to me was the saving. Uh, I wouldn't even say saving grace, but I loved it. Actually. I really loved the story. Um, I think that's really honestly the strongest thing going in WWE right now is the bloodline because that, that turn against Sammy is going to happen oh. and it's going to be brutal. And I, I can't wait. Um, I really think if I guess fantasy booking wise, I would actually love to see Sammy take one of the titles off of Roman. Um, and I, because like, I think I know they're, it seems like they're obviously grooming Cody for that, but I, I think Sammy deserves it for our, I mean, Sammy's back must be hurting from carrying that company for so long. Cause like that, like all this leading up to this Huge story is going to be huge payoff. I, I can't wait. Um, I love Kevin Owens. He's probably one of my favorite wrestlers um, of all time. Honestly, uh, he, he come on. He, the guy came out wearing a Dusty Rhodes shirt. Like, I, I don't know. He was like in blue jeans. Yeah, and and, and he, he had the uh, the elbow sleeve too. And uh, um, I know he was really close with Dusty too. And uh, I thought it was. I, I love Kevin Owens. Yeah, I can't say enough great things. And also, too, Jim, you look like him. It is. <laughs> I, I, I remember uh, when I first started watching, like, Kevin Steen, I was, like, texting Jim. I was like, whoa, whoa uh, you guys, are you wrestling? Dude, yeah, I mean, I think it was a solid match. There was a lot of really good uh, fun moments where they all did the, the what is it, the, the, where they're beating on their beast, chest. Beast, beast of the bells. Beast beats of the, of the Bowery. Ten beats of the Bowery. Oh, that's it. I, yeah. I do want to address what I'm sure Jim is going to address is Ridge Holland. Uh, what is that guy doing? <laughs> he 
everybody looked amazing and he just looked confused, slightly <laughs> lost. I understand, hey, this is your first War Games, dude. Or is it? Yeah, it's his first War yeah, Games. Oh, yeah. But come on, man. Like, again, it, <laughs> Jim Jim was joking around and we were like, you, know, you, you see everybody everybody's purpose and then he gets to Rich Holland and you're like, um, oh yeah, that guy like almost killed Big E. <laughs> you know, so like, pretty much, yeah. I think uh, again, the story is great. I think it's it was probably the highlight of the pay per view. Um, Sami Zayn is going to get murdered, and I'm here for it, and it's going to be brutal. Hundred <laughs> percent. This this saved this saved the pay per view for me. Um, this is what I'm invested in. Same with you, Tom. Um, I just this the turn. And it needs to be brutal. And I really hope they, yeah, obviously not terrible. Um, I'm, I don't want to see, <laughs> but it needs, I mean, and I, Sammy's the guy to do it is to take a beating. And I mean, they, look at the run he did with Owens in ROH, like where he literally got the shit kicked out of him for like a year. And, and you know, um, oh man, it was money every time. And I think I'm, I'm intrigued. I, I, I didn't even think of this, the idea of Sammy taking off one of the belts. I can see it for sure. Um, agreed. I think it's going to be Cody, but like a fun little swerve, but I've always heard, I've also heard it's only going to be one. It's not going to be, you're going to be this, the universal is kind of the, like, that's when they need to make this crowning achievement. That's why Brock was, that's why, you know, Roman was. So they're not going to make Sammy Zayn the universal or whatever the fuck Roman's called. They're just not going to happen. So I've heard that he's going to, I, so I could see them taking one versus the other. Cause I don't even think Cody is the, like, not yet. Like, you, you got, you came back, you got hurt and it's no, you got to kind of, you got to build back up again. But yeah, I'm just waiting for that turn. I just, I don't know when it's coming. It's really interesting. And well, from what I've heard is that they were, I guess this was, and again, this is speculation, but they were expecting to do a very detailed Owens and Sammy feud. Um, but then they changed it because Sammy is just getting over with everybody on the dumb shit. It, like, I guess that whole Usi thing was completely off script and improvised because he's just having a good time. Like Sammy's doing the best work of his career. He truly as an entertainer, as a wrestler, and it's great. And it just seems like he's going in there and he's like, how can I get these guys? How can I get Roman to laugh? And like he, and it's great with, but the Usi stuff and when they're doing this goofy, it's so dumb. It's fucking hilarious. And it just watching him do it makes the what it's fun it sells it works it gets eyes but the hardcore fans know holy shit this beatdown is going to be so bad it's going to be it's going to be bad like when it's coming and and it's no one's going to come to help him and it's 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 interesting and like i said i could see that kind of redemption story of sammy coming all the, and they could do it because they did it with el generico and Ro- and it worked so i agreed Best match of the night. It watching Sammy just do his thing is great. Uh, Roman is clearly embracing the fact that you know he's. A, I, and it, I, it's interesting to see. I'm I'm happy that they've they waited so long to turn Rome. You know what I mean? Because I I like I think about it now, and I'm like I couldn't imagine a Roman heel way back. He just didn't have it all together. You know what I mean? And it just he needed the John Cena promo. Uh, where he got eaten alive to to learn and get like you want to do this dude you want to be the guy you know what i mean and he's finally put it all together and it just the icing on the cake was turning him heel and you can tell he's just having a blast i love it it is getting a little stale i will admit like i'm at some point i am gonna get like okay 
Come on. Okay. Okay. What is, is it going to be Jimmy now that's going to be pissed off for three weeks? You know what I mean? Like, uh, come on. Oh, nope. Now it's Solo's turn. And it's like, okay, I don't need that. Like, give me something. Like, start giving me yeah. some substance. And I, maybe it is Cody coming back. I don't know. And that's, they just, it, when him getting hurt, because that's everything I heard was he was going to be the guy to dethrone Rones. So, but it's, there, there is nobody else right now. Um, so it'll be, yeah, I don't know where they're going to do and what they're going to go with it, but I'm in. I like the bloodline. It's the only thing, honestly, that's keeping me invested. And in- yeah, I, I've turned around on the bloodline. I, I originally was very anti bloodline, but um, I, I, I think they've grown quite a bit. Um, I like, you know, I'll say what you guys said. Super fucking excited for the Sammy destruction. Uh, you know what's going to happen. It's just a matter of when and who. Uh, I texted you guys during the pay-per-view and I said, uh, fantasy booking scenario. I'd love to see Jacob Fatu show up. And I would love to see Jacob Fatu destroy Sami Zayn and take his place in the bloodline. Um, it would make sense. I think Jacob Fatu is one of the most amazing big men out there right now. I mean, it's oh, fucking yeah scary what that guy can do and i'd love oh, it I, is. I believe he's a free agent too so i'd love to see him Ooh. come in and, and join the bloodline um i thought the match was good i thought the match was solid uh it didn't have the issues that the women's match had with with like oh god please don't die kind of moments uh you know there there was some some fallout apparently afterwards uh according to certain dirt sheets roman wasn't thrilled uh with kevin uh apparently taking a little bit of liberty uh but yeah whatever i don't i don't a i don't know if i believe it and b even if it's true i just okay move on prima donna yeah you're gonna get slapped bro it's just how it works um i i'm looking forward to this kevin owens roman reigns program i think that's gonna be uh, a lot of fun uh i'm i'm also sick and tired of the bloodline infighting it's gotten fucking stale uh just let's destroy sammy and move on and stop yep. doing the infighting uh because they're but yeah we the there's fun stuff going on with the bloodline but it's it's got a shelf life and i think that i think that expiration date is coming up very very soon and i really hope that the writers at wwe have a plan uh i hope they have this sketched out already for where this is going to end and how it's going to end i hope this isn't going to be just some abrupt one week through the bloodline the next week they're not the bloodline i hope there's something (laughs) to work out here because if you've invested this much time and energy into this you better have a big fucking finish for it so um Agreed. on the whole we we did this for full gear so i'm curious on the whole uh what what would you grade the 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 pay-per-view what would you grade survivor Series? i will give it oh man i was pretty i i was pretty hyped about the the bloodline match and I was texting Mike that I was like, hey, I think this is an overall good show. And then I went back and rewatched some of it and was like, Ugh. I would say with the saving grace of the bloodline, I'd give this like a C, a solid C, maybe C minus. Um, there is definitely a lot, a lot of things that truly hurt the product in my eyes. Um, and again, I, I, I think a, a, a huge the reason why I, I rated it so low was because of, you know, Rhonda and Shotzi, because that was, oof, that was a tough match to watch and a tough match to see. And again, I, I, I hate to sound like a broken record. I don't think she gives a shit about really anything except for a paycheck. And and that night it showed, you know, for sure. And um, yeah, I would say about C minus. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. 
No, that's what I was thinking. C, just solid middle C. Um, I mean, obviously, one match I really didn't even care. I, I, I didn't, you know, the Rollins, um, Theory, and um, Bobby Lashley match didn't care. So, I mean, that just out completely. Um, you know, um, okay, the women, it was fun. I, I'm glad that they kicked off the show. Probably, I wish it was a little bit higher. Kudos for the women. But again, to Jim, just a little scary, but ultimately, okay, you know, Um uh, but just it, too many stinkers, too predictable, too, and that's just the hard part with me and watching the product. And again, I'm, I'm I'm really trying not to be biased. I know I come across as a very very big AEW fan, but I just I think the, the, I'm just a wrestler. I'm a wrestler. So I love wrestling, and it's just this isn't. I don't get a lot of wrestling with WWE. And yes, I know that the stories you can blend the two, and it's just it's. I feel like AEW right now is kind of doing okay with where they're they're mixing the entertainment with the wrestling, um, maybe more wrestling than an entertainment. But I mean, you can only entertainment can only carry us so far. Um, you know, dick and fart jokes only get so funny to me. And you know, a fat guy running around with a little skinny guy as a mouthpiece, like it just it's hey, too hey, show me hey, shit. Hey, and it's hey, like they, hey, 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 wait, wait, <laughs> Mike, don't get personal. No, well, no, it's like, no, and it's, it's what I'm talking about is that it's, sorry, not to completely veer off track, but is the Otis and the Alpha Academy thing, like they should be monsters. Like Otis should be his monster and it's, nope, it's shush and all that dumb bullshit. Like it's a fat guy with a little dude who runs his fucking mouth and it's like boring. Like, no, like then make Otis like I like Vader. I I keep saying make him like Vader, and because to me he's strong. I don't know. That's just Tom and I. Anyway, I'm getting off track, but it just it's too predictable for me, and it just C. And I think the saving grace was the bloodline. I think if it was anything else, it would have been a D for sure. Um, and the bloodline is you know, but even then, that's getting kind of stale. And I've said that for a while now, so. I, I really hope something good's coming. I know we're getting into kind of big boy pay-per-view season uh, with the WWE with um, Royal Rumble coming. And then usually I think it's what um, there's one kind of dumb throwaway, but then there's elimination chamber, which is usually pretty big. And then there's WrestleMania. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Cause usually this is when they start making their moves is right around this time of year. So I hope they can kind of save a sinking ship and maybe triple H just, you know, he's, he's got a couple aces up his sleeve um, and you know, who knows, but We'll see what happens when, I mean, I'm always going to, I'll watch definitely the Royal Rumble and all that fun stuff, but yeah, we'll see what happens. I really want to, I really want to say C, C minus, but I also want to be original. So I'm going to go ahead and say A plus. Uh, I mean, nothing to improve upon, just a perfect show. (laughs) Uh, Kept you you on the edge of your seat the whole time. Um, uh, Just had something for the whole family. You know, the whole Dexter Loomis raping the Miz thing. My kids are way into it. They were all about that. Uh, that was good family fun. You're, you're, uh, you're I, deadpan, your deadpan's too convincing, Jim. I was like, yeah, sorry, I got to work on that. What? I, gotta, I, gotta, I, gotta, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what's, what's happening right now? Uh, no, I, I, yeah, I'd say C minus. I'd say C minus. And, and here's the thing is I, I know that I can be really harsh on WWE product. I know I can be very negative and very down on it. Um, I mean, I'm I'm not sending them death threats like Mike does, but I still can be pretty pretty harsh. And so, who's been talking to you? (laughs) So I don't know if 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 the show really was mid or if it's just my bias showing through. Uh, But I will say that I mean, like 
the Finn and AJ match and the war, the men's war game match were the only two matches on the card that I really felt like deserved to be on a pay-per-view. And that's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. So again, acknowledging my bias here, I feel like this was just not a good show for them. Um, I, I love survivor series. I love the traditional survivor series, the five on five, the elimination style fucking love the survivor series tradition um i loved the last few years when they were doing the brand supremacy um i will say the survivor series where it was raw versus smackdown versus nxt was one of the best fucking pay-per-views i've seen oh my god Uh, I, i loved that show start to finish um again i love war games but i'd like to see war games exist as something other than survivor series so that we can have those traditional five on fives back i, I think would be great going forward yeah it was it was funny jim that you said that about the five on five i was telling caitlin because she was like you know it, my wife getting used to all this wrestling stuff and she's like what's survivor series and i was like oh my god they used to do these like well, they were kind of gimmicky but they were a lot of fun and it was like one guy had a team and like so it was like team hogan versus team set and it was just fu- it was like you knew what you were getting. It was you're going to get some fun wrestling, maybe a couple storylines. But more, big, to me, Survivor Series was always kind of a I don't want to say a throwaway, but it, it growing up, that's what it felt like. And then they tried to turn it into something like more. And then they went back to the more traditional stuff with the brand supremacy. And now I don't know what they're doing. So it's it's really weird. So, so Survivor Series always kind of had these waves where it's like sometimes something big happens and other times you're going to watch, you know, Hulk Hogan put a turkey on Macho Man's head. Like, okay, good enough. I, I, it worked for me when I was a kid. So I, you know, I don't know if he ever did that, but you know, well, I mean, um, so long as there's a tub of Vaseline next to me, I would watch that video on repeat. Uh, that's, that's just fucking hot. Let's be honest. That's just hot winners and losers. Mike, who's our winner. Who's our loser. Sammy Zayn, winner, loser, Ronda Rousey. I, I, he can't be more cut and dry than that. Uh, he's going to the moon, and one of them hopefully just goes away. <laughs> Not sure which is which, but yes, I agree. Uh, Tom, do you have a do you have a winner? Do you have a loser? Yeah, uh, winner for sure is my dude Kevin Kevin Owens. Uh, love him. I, I, I he needs to be in every pay per view ever. I love him so much. Um, I'm sorry, I'm talking far away. Uh, Kevin Owens would be my winner. Loser. Oh gosh. Uh, you Jim, no. <laughs> you Jim for, for hating on my problem, like hating on everything. Uh loser for sure, Ronda Rousey, but to be to not be Ronda Rousey, I would say loser is the fans, because it was not that good of a pay-per-view. Uh, I'm I'm gonna say the winner for me, the winner of the night was Becky Lynch. Uh, you know, it was her first match back. She had that great spot off the top of the cage. Uh, you know, I, I think she's got a lot of momentum coming out of this and good, right? I mean, I'm a fucking Becky Lynch fan, not ashamed of that. So I think Becky, I think Becky picks up a big win, uh, off of the pay-per-view, the loser of the night. There's just so many to pick from. (laughs) It's really really fucking hard to narrow it down. Uh, I probably loser of the night. Um, I, I'd say, uh, geez, um, yeah, I'm going to go. You know, what? I'm going to go with Ridge Holloway uh, because fuck Ridge Holloway, because he has no business being there whatsoever. Uh, everyone else in that match has a world title uh, to their credit. And Ridge Holloway has guy who almost killed two workers in the ring. Uh, and I don't think he had any business there. So the loser of the night is Ridge Holloway, because uh, when you get put on a stage that big with talent that good, 
you either step up or prove you don't belong and it really shows you don't belong and i think ridge really got shown that he does not fucking belong there well said well said it's holland by the way um but um what i say Holloway, Holloway. I just kept Did thinking of the guy Holloway? that was. Maybe Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. That's what I kept thinking. Yeah. Or is that Hadaway? That was that guy. Hadaway. Yeah. Jesus, <laughs> kids. Where am? What is happening to me right now? And that'll wrap it up for this week's episode. But come back next time for more news, analysis, and of course, our spotlighter wrestler of the week. Big thanks for giving us a listen and a super thanks for subscribing to this podcast so you can have our dulcet tones delivered right to you each week. Feel free to leave us some feedback on your podcast delivery platform of choice. On behalf of Mike and Tom, I am Jim, and we are out. Out.